Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the 7th of October of 2020, which means something is going to happen. Uh, but, uh, yes, I don't want to I don't want to say it just in case it doesn't happen, because if, if I can avoid it, I would like to go without it happening. Oh, um, what normally happens in October? No, 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 no. It's not going to happen. Oh, OK. Chris, OK. It's not going to happen at all. It's going okay. to be a normal episode of so the podcast. There's like a a, spe- a specter in the room that we oh. can't talk about. Is what you're saying? Well, no, we can talk about Ace. No, uh, well, Ace, <laughs> the ghost camel ghost returns. Camel returns. <laughs> uh, so we are joined this week uh, by Ace Chrisman, letter extraordinaire, dadcore enthusiast. And it's been a while since you've been on our show, hasn't it? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to be here. Thank you for being on our show, because we need you. The show has been incomplete without you. I get an email once a day with somebody saying, I hate the show. You don't have Ace on enough. It's fucking (laughs) stupid. You guys are dumb. If you don't have them, it's fucking worthless. Now, granted, all those emails have been coming from you, but still, I appreciate. (laughs) I I appreciate. That's a very similar name. It's Ice Chrisman, okay? That that is true. That is true. I guess I had had it mistaken. Could have been anybody. No relation, though. No relation. None. All right. Good to know. It's it's just you in various wigs. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know why you change the wig every time that you send a new email, but I have to get into character. Okay. I mean, I mean, they have to get into character. Yeah. Whoever they are, could be anybody. Could even be maybe it's you. Uh, so Ace, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. It'd be a good time to remind everybody, perhaps, uh, what your connection to everything is. Uh, I'm I'm a letterer for a lot of things. For a lot Trigger of things, yeah. And Black Clover, Ghost Reaper Girl, Mori King. I think that's all my Jump series right now. All the good well, ones go- in there. We're going to talk about most of those today, so. <laughs> It's good times. It's actually very convenient that we'd have you on. There's a world trigger chapter to talk about this week. We have uh, Ghost Reaper Girl, which is a spooky series that fits Halloween month so perfectly. Uh, Black Clover has been the most interesting it's going to get. And, you know, more hitting us there. Uh, Who knows what will happen? (laughs) The important thing is all the series are excellent. Aww. Yay. Yay, positivity. Yeah. Yeah. So what is Ghost Reaper Girl? I'm going to throw it on you. You have the onus now to describe it to our audience. <laughs> um. Do my job for it. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to be in the other room. I'm going to play some Genshin Impact, and uh, I will come back, and hopefully the job will be done satisfactorily. I keep hearing that title. I don't know what that is. So it's kind of like a a very weeby gotcha game version that's of my, Breath of the my, Wild. That's that's my review. Uh, uh, Nick Freeman, pro gamer, reviews games. I I don't know what that is. I, I, I've heard the name, but I don't know what it is. I have this, every single review. I, I make so much money off of. Those. I have I have the same thing when it comes to baseball. 
I don't know what it is, and I can't figure it out from the context of other people talking about it. So I've just assumed, I'm like, it's just something fun they're enjoying in their lives. I'm not going to delve any further into this. <laughs> you kids have fun. Yeah, you kids, you wild kids go crazy out there. I hope you catch all the place balls you're looking for. <laughs> well, uh, no. This series. Uh, yes. It's about a girl, an actress who has crazy spiritual powers and has uh, two man slaves. Yeah, that's so actually <laughs> so far. Uh, yeah, also, that's... Uh, she wears fetishy gear sometimes, and fights. That goes. too is that too. I guarantee is going to become five by the end of the year. I'm pretty sure. So you know, I hope it does. <laughs> I'm all for her. Her uh, man slaves. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a series by uh, Akisa Saike uh, under a new pen name since uh, their most famous series, uh, Rosario to Vampire, came to an end. Um, And in somewhat of the same vein of the series that involved uh, monster-y kind of girls uh, and there being a whole adventure plot while there was a sort of harem going on between these hot girls and some dude, uh, now there is this uh, kind of harem-y sort of setup, but with the gender roles reversed, uh, where there is this thing going on where essentially our main character uh, becomes um, an exorcist, a soul reaper. Her name is Chloe. Uh, and as you mentioned, she is a struggling actress who is almost 30, but is a lowly, which is brought up way too much for my comfort. And I will say this, when I read chapter one of this series, I was like, this is going to be awful. This is going to be so bad. But over time, they start to move away from that a bit. Uh, So I was happy for that. And it more just becomes her, you know, learning to use these abilities while she gets these uh, spiritual companions who are all hot guys who can all go inside her. (laughs) Which is not sexual at all in the context of the series, let me tell you. It's not sexual, uh-uh. no. Uh-uh. But when she is possessed by one of these spirits, her, her appearance changes and she gains abilities that are related to them. Uh, the main guy in the series, whose name escapes me at the moment, he takes the form of a cartoony talking scythe. I was going to say, the two, I know it's Chloe and then Chain Dude and Cat Guy. That's the yeah, only way much. I've recognized these characters so far. <laughs> It's Chloe, Kai, and Noel. Those are all Kai. great names. Kai, or is he also known? The uh, the president of that one company. Oh, Nyarlathope? Is that Nyarlathep? Maybe it's 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 a big H.P. Lovecraft character, right? I thought it was. Oh, is that right? It's an H.P. Lovecraft character because I I, it's been I've seen it referenced in other things like there's a Dragalia Lost Dragon named after it. So definitely seen it. And also uh, Uh, Persona, I think too. So probably I I feel like it's like a like a like it is a Lovecraft character. Narlathotep. Now all of those were generally made to be unpronounceable. Because H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was a bit of a shill, who, if you consider it, was kind of too lazy to write good stuff when you think about it. 
<laughs> when you really think about it, he was like, uh, no one can pronounce its name. Just writes letters on there. And you're like, it's crazy. Smash. Yeah. Also, there's. Writer smash. Oh, also very legit. Greatest thought <laughs> yeah. as a writer. There was nothing else. I was like, there's also. Nothing else. Far worse things. Watch Lovecraft County. So, yes, Chloe uh, and her companions, Kai, a.k.a. Light Yagami, if you were a lowly con. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> this guy looks so much like Light. I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. He looks so much like him, but he's just like, God, I love little girls. He, he's so gross. Um, yeah. And this is the series is very young. It's only seven chapters in right now. The latest chapter came out all of two days ago. It updates every two weeks. Is that right? Yeah, about two weeks. Uh, and uh, it's really the plot is only kind of just getting started, but it seems like it's a sort of battle series with a little bit of a magical girl kind of setup because obviously Chloe starts off and just as a regular girl and then one of her not boyfriends uh, possesses her. And so she goes through a transformation and so she'll become, you know, a Reaper girl or she'll become a cat girl and presumably one would think that with that setup, there's going to be future transformations at some point down the line, which means more harem options. So I hope there's a sexy mummy. That would be great. All all of the other universal monsters get sexy versions, sexy vampires, sexy creatures from the Black Lagoon, sexy werewolves. I want sexy mummy. I want it. Come on, man. You've never seen 90s. Uh, you've never seen 90s mummy. That's wrong, that's different. I, no, I want from him because he was in the same uh, in the same movie as Brendan Fraser and Obit Fair. It just wasn't fair to him and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm. But he was CG, <laughs> so that didn't really distract from. Wait, him. that was <laughs> that was they didn't put real prosthetics on the Rock to make him a giant scorpion no. monster. <laughs> Chris, you're blinded because you just remember what he looked like in like the 2000 WWF Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> that is how I identify most wrestlers. <laughs> Including the ones that weren't wrestling back then. <laughs> I, I enjoy this series quite a lot. This was one of those series that I just decided to start clicking at a whim because this is a series you can check out through Shonen Jump. Uh, as Nick said, there are seven chapters you can read the first three for free and the most recent three for free. So currently at this point, you're only missing out on one chapter if you're not already subscribed. Yeah. And I can't. How dumb do you have to be to not be subscribed to Shonen Jump? And like, well, <laughs> it's not a matter of dumbness. Chris. No, it's I think I think you are very dumb if you don't. Maybe you have a good reason, mm-hmm. but sh- but you probably don't if you don't. And you're dumb. Listen, Chris. <laughs> Manga should be free, and I will always prefer ugly ass looking, poorly translated free manga to anything. <laughs> That's how all my Nakama like it. Look, <laughs> Nakama means friends, <laughs> but it's a deeply culturally entwined term that has no proper equivalent. <laughs> oh my god, I used to be that dumb. <laughs> I think we were all that dumb. We were all that dumb. Yeah, we all have that moment in us. We're like, no, it is cooler if you use Keikaku instead of plan. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good decision. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I like this series. I think it's a really 
easy one to read. You know, it's it's not really dense. The chapters go by really quick. Even when I'm working on it, they just they're Fly done by. real fast because it's just I don't know, just straightforward. Art's really good. Man it, slaves. It also defies all logic of Nick's former uh, former web video series, and you read it from left to right. And it that feels an dirty. It's by the yeah. author's request, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We, uh, I, I've gotten some pushback from people who have contacted me, very angry that it's been uh, flipped. And I mean, it says it front and center on the page, on the Shonen Jump mm. page. This is by request. He does all of the work flipping it. He redraws panels. So wow. they're to, to like if it's if it's two Japanese panels and they're kind of skinny together. Sometimes he'll just make it a bigger round one. Like it's he does a lot of work. Like wow. this guy, all the sound effects you see, he does them all. I don't have to That's, do any. Makes sound your effects. job easier, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean the only thing it took me a while to get used to, and it was kind of like it always takes whenever I work on a chapter. I always have to kind of like switch my brain because i'm so used to lettering as normal manga but it's other than that i mean like if this is how he wants it whatever man go for it he's doing like i said he's doing all the work to make it happen so yeah let me get into a car and like the steering wheels on the other side of it or something like that just well, that's I, I believe seen... I believe legally at that point, if you get in your car and the, 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 the steering wheels on the other side, you're allowed to just drive on the other side of the road. Doesn't matter is <laughs> they can't stop you. <laughs> um, I mean, good luck with that idea, dude. <laughs> uh, I had I did see like I'm not surprised that there was pushback on that uh, because that at least like affects the reading experience. I also saw um as part of the announcement uh, that Shonen Jump made about this series saying, Hey, this is from the, you know, the mangaka of, of Rosario to vampire. Uh, and then there are people who are commenting like, no, the mangaka of Rosario to vampire is Akisa. I forget the other pen name. Yeah. And it's just like, no, <laughs> he changed his pen name. That's all that happened. <laughs> or somebody's really good at aping his style. Oh yeah. That too. Yeah. All right. I really like how every chapter has a color page at the beginning too. Yeah, I I, that's really it's actually pretty sweet. Like I, I do like the color choice for everything in the series as well. It it actually was kind of very fitting for Halloween month, besides the fact that it involves spooky monster people, but it has kind of that color tone and palette to it where you're just like yeah. this feels very appropriate. I dig this. And I really want yes. her to have a mummy boyfriend so she could turn into a mummy person. And um, I don't know what she Is could he... do with that. Control. Does he have a Twitter? Set, set, send him tweets. <laughs> hey, so I was thinking, sexy mummies? Hey, I know we could fuck and have dreams about every other universal monster. <laughs> but what about giving the mummy some love? Sincerely yours. And then I'm like, no, I can't give him my name. Nicholas Freeman. <laughs> but I still send it from my Twitter account. So. <laughs> Michael. Uh, one, one thing uh, I do want to mention about this is that if you read the Japanese version, it'll... The Japanese version is read the Japanese way. 
Um, we we are the only ones. Well, English language ones are the ones that are flipped. But uh, we had to change the name of the series. I did notice it, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ghost Girl in uh, in Japanese. But we had to add Reaper in because I guess there's a superhero called Ghost Girl. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I it was legal reasoning. Huh. Girl, I'm trying to think. I don't superhero. Wendy Hunt, Ghost Girl, is a superhero, a Scottish superhero in the Marvel universe. All right. I had never heard of this character. I think they're making her up. I don't know. <laughs> Damn you, Disney! Is there nothing you won't take listen, from us? Listen, Chris. <laughs> This result came from the superheroes wiki, which if you can't trust a fan wiki to give you accurate information, what can you trust? Well, Nick, I'll, real. I'll have you know that I have gone straight to the Marvel fandom Wikipedia and uh, they say it's Lily Stevens. So, okay, so unless two. no, Nick, there can only be one. There's only ever one version of a superhero. So one of them must be lying. And I say that we have them fight to the death over it. All right, yeah, I, I trust you on your word on this. Uh, you know, I mean, just look at my favorite superhero, Green Lantern. Only ever been one. <laughs> There's in. only one of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Ghost Reaper Girl has a better ring to it than just Ghost Girl, anyway. So, and it works. You know, she's got the scythe when uh, she's in Kai form. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fitting title. It's it is a shame though because the Japanese logo is. Which they haven't used in several chapters, actually. Well, several chapters that I've seen. I don't know how many chapters here. Um, <laughs> they haven't used it in a while, but it's... Oh, the, the Japanese logo is so good. It's so good. It's the one with the so, kind of curvy font, right? Is that yeah, the one? Yeah, yeah. It's got this curvy font, and then, like, the scythe is, is I think, the L of girl. And, oh, it's, it's really nice. Yeah, I do like that. That is very solid. But Nick. Oh, I see that now. Yeah. Yeah. That's very Soul Eater looking, too. Yeah. But Nick, we have to talk about manga now, don't we? We do? I think we do. All right. Cool. Let's do do that. Do we have any final thoughts we want to give on Ghost Reaper Girl? It's all right. Uh, Like I said at the very beginning of the first chapter, I was like, this is going to be gross and stupid because this guy won't stop shutting up about how much he loves Lolicons. (laughs) And, uh,. Then over time, it's like, you know what? There's more important things to be done than to focusing on this one character quirk. He makes, he brings it up occasionally, but it's mostly in the form of a very harmless looking cartoon scythe guy, which is less weird than when he's just like, I am a gentleman who loves lolis. It's like, ah, yep. I think, I think it's a fun series. It's really easy to read. Uh, I recommend it just for, it's kind of like, uh, like junk food, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's anything amazing, but I think it's very enjoyable and just just fun and easy. But just like uh, Halloween patterned Oreos, it's a little too spooky for me to totally enjoy. I've sometimes <laughs> opened those packages, saw a ghost print on one side, screamed and ran from my house. <laughs> much like I have several times when attempting to read this manga. I'm like, ghosts! And I run from my room. <laughs> when I come back, 10 out of 10 series. <laughs> all right shall we proceed then yeah Yeah. all right we are going to do the recap portion of the manga recap 
beginning with My Hero Academia, chapter number 286, The Ones Within Us. Last time, Bakugo was fine. He's he's not hurt at all. He's okay. He's just got, just got a few sharp things sticking out of him. He's fine. Uh, we catch up at the, that exact moment that was left off in the, from the previous chapter with uh, him just telling to... Deku, which in a way is very impressive because I'm pretty sure at least one of those sharp things is in his lung. Uh, Stop trying to win this on your own. (laughs) We then get a look at Shigaraki, who seems to be having some sort of internal struggle. I believe that that is what the head twitch is meant to indicate. Uh, And then he pulls the sharp things out of Bakugo, who starts to fall, but fortunately... Uh, Todoroki is there. He's still holding on to Endeavor, who's looking totally fine. He's not, you know, beat the crap out of two. Uh, so Todoroki's got, got both of them. Shigaraki speaks in, I believe, what is meant to be all for one's voice, saying, This battle, so much blood spilled for no good reason. That last bit being the most pointless of all. And then... He reaches out for Deku, who recalls all of the shit that he's just seen in the past, I don't know, five minutes, however long this battle has lasted in real time. Uh, Aizawa getting the crap in and out of him. Gran Torino's being seemingly mortally injured. Uh, less important characters, who cares about them? Uh- <laughs> Irrelevant. Now that Crust is gone, I don't have a true character to root for in this series, so I've stopped really paying attention. Oh, there's a, they're a top ten here. Are they crust? No. No, then I don't care. care. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who originally said this line to Deku. Can't recall. Of someone telling him, when you use this power out of anger, it'll really start working for you. What really matters is controlling your heart. I think that might have been Black Whip Guy, but I can't remember. I just can't. Deku starts to go a little crazy. And by a little, I mean he, he looks demented. As he launches himself forward, there's this big two-page spread of him, like, chomping into these tendrils that are extending from Shigaraki's fingers. Uh, actually, it's kind of scary. When in doubt, take a bite. That'd be great if uh, Tokoyami was on the ground and he was just like, well, that's just great. Now I need a new gimmick since you also have an evil bird thing, shadow thing over your face. It's not a bird. My thing, my thing. <laughs> there can't be like, two of like us. Like the ears. Come on, man. <laughs> well, then you did set Mirko. Oh well, you can't stop Mirko. The internet won't let you. No. <laughs> Too thirsty. Uh, Deku is on the rampage, uh, and he says, "Take it back," which. I'm not sure exactly how the grammar of this conversation flows from page to page, but the line that was previously spoken by Shigaraki all for one was, you know, all this blood was spilled for no good reason. That last bit being the most pointless of all. I'm not sure if he's saying that Bakugo's blood is pointless. And so he's just like, whatever, you're a nothing. And that's why Deku's mad. That's the implication I get from this, but I don't know. No. And then we get a cool shot of Shigaraki reacting in shock, but also like the line in his face opens up and all for one is staring out of it. It's a cool visual. Not creepy at all. There's... This is that. This is a horror series. 
Yeah. <laughs> Two mouths. That's like, normal. That's the- Ghost Reaper girl. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm, I actually nailed myself to my chair so I wouldn't run out of the room screaming <laughs> when I came up at this chapter. Nick, there's a face in that man's face. Yes, Help! there is. Yes. So. Gigantomachy is still on the rampage. Now he smells that there are two of Master's scent, uh, indicating that that whole thing with All for One emerging from Shigaraki might not just be purely metaphorical, which is... If his head comes out of Shigaraki's head, that'll be pretty gross one. It's like... (laughs) So... People are all the heroes that are, you know, not currently involved in the battle are moving around trying to get stuff done. Uraraka is is starting to despair because she realizes that things have just gotten worse and she doesn't seem to be helping it, uh, out anything. Uh, back at the battlefield, Todoroki goes. Ah! <laughs> I believe is because he sees what we then see, which is Shigaraki's hand going out to facepalm, essentially, uh, Deku. Which, of course, that's a bad thing. Because he can disintegrate him, or take one for all, or whatever it is he's trying to do in this exact moment. Todoroki screams out for Deku. Shigaraki brags, I got a hold of you. One for all is mine. Or that's all for one saying it. His Part of his face looks like all for one. I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway, there's a flash, and now Deku is in the mental zone that we he was in before, where you know he saw all the different vessels of uh, One for All before. But this time he sees, oh, there's Shigaraki over there, and he is starting to fight with All for One. They're they're disagreeing over what to do right now, and Shigaraki is telling All for One, "Stay in there," and All for One saying, "Hey." I had I lent you my strength. Don't be like that. And you nearly burned to cinders. And even after surviving, you would have died if not for me. So they're fighting now. But Shigaraki's like, hey, I'm running the show. This is my dream. Deku falls over. I don't know. He's clawing along the ground now. But then a hand touches him on the scalp. And a voice says, you can't move in this world yet. So let us handle this. And Nana Shimura is there in the mental zone thing hey, place. Nana. Pretty crazy. Now, uh, I have one question. One? Just one? Just one. <laughs> well, there's only one that's really relevant to me. So, I, I obviously know that's the previous one for all users there. Who is the one who's there who's, like, missing most of their body? most of their body yeah like on the last page double page spread it's like the the lady who had flight and then there's somebody who's like their hand and they're just the top Chris, of their don't face do this to me. don't do this to me who is it it's deku chris but nick i don't don't, I don't you mean, mean no Dick boo. no i don't <laughs> no the spook master general strikes again Gonna blow out a fuse like that, so I can't keep it up. <laughs> been doing this for so long. You've been doing this every year for like three years now. 
Do you have any thoughts on the chapter, Chris? Like, oh, sorry, I didn't actually even read it. I saw Deku was in it. I was like, just gotta wait for the end. No, it's it's good. Um, I do like that there is, you know, this this kind of building tension here, and there's this struggle. Obviously, Shigaraki's dealing with on top of the one that we have before. I'm a little bummed because we don't know what's happened to Bakugo, and that's like kind of where my mind wants to go, but I also understand that for pacing reasons, you kind of want to leave us worried about Bakugo's fate, and we want to deal with this as well. Uh, I'm definitely a lot more interested in this chapter than I have been in like the 20 previous chapters where I've kind of just been like, alright, can we just end Shigaraki? Because this fight's kind of getting kind of boring now. So I'm more excited for where we're at than where we've been previously. Uh, at least, what, you know, I mentioned like the confusing stuff in this chapter, but at least it's stuff that's like seems to be meant to be deliberate intrigue or, you know, kind of confusing on purpose until you read more later. And so you get the context and find out what happened as opposed to I don't know what happened in this fight scene. So. <laughs> What do you think, Ace? Uh, to be honest, uh, I'm so far behind in okay. the series, uh, but I'm glad to see that uh, Nana's back because she's a badass. Yeah. So I, I am kind of surprised to see that Shigaraki has n- not been taken out. It's been a long time. I swear they were fighting him last time I. This uh, fight has been going chapter. This fight's been going on basically all year. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I've caught up now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not just this fight. There was a fight somewhere else, and, you know, but it's all one battle, basically. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move on to Kaiju number eight. But, Nick! No. Don't you mean Kaiju number eight? Oh, hold away. You could have just said the second part of that. Oh, <laughs> in Spooktober. This is why you wanted Ace on this show, isn't it? This is because, because you knew that if she were here to encourage you, then then I, I wouldn't really be able to, to stop you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, Nick. I love two it. on one. <laughs> I have a positive reinforcement, and thus uh, it empowers me. My, my my negative punishment never stops you when it's uncontested, anyway. So, no, but now I feel nurtured, Nick. It's in my nature already, but now I feel nurtured. Question <laughs> number eight: Have you ever, have you uh, been able to read this series, Ace? Yes, I am loving this series. It's right up my alley. Awesome. Cool. So it's uh, it's Kafka's first mission officially as part of uh, the defense force. Let's just call it that. I don't remember the official organization name. And their, their lieutenant says, as they're in the truck going on their way, it's kaiju slaying time, which... It, it sounds like something that like a game show host says. Yeah. <laughs> you bring that a little mic. Who will it's... be the first one to kill the kaiju? 
it's kaiju slaying time. I, <laughs> I assume they have to say, like, I haven't watched it, but I assume on that show, The Floor is Lava, that's how they start with, and now the floor is lava. And then people start like, oh, like, really, like, method actors are screaming, like, oh, my God, it burns, it burns. Like, no, no, it's it's just SpaghettiOs we drain the noodles out of. You're fine. If I recall correctly, the show BattleBots, each fight between the robots will begin with uh, one of the announcers saying, it's robot fighting time. Oh, so yeah. It's it makes like, everything so much cooler in like kind of a dumb way. In the 90s way. <laughs> yes, and I, I love it. It's great. So we see Kafka and, uh, and uh, Kikoru kind of looking at each other a bit in the truck, and then we get a flashback because... Turns out uh, they decided it would probably be a good idea to go to her and explain why Kafka turned into a kaiju. So good call there. Not sure about their decision to do it in a diner where anyone could overhear them. <laughs> but I don't know. They're all they're all idiots. So I'll allow it, I guess. <laughs> so Kafka, of course, begs Kikoro, don't tell anyone about this. Uh She's, you know, got a few thoughts on the matter and stuff uh, because she points out like, you know, I've heard that some of the really powerful kaiju get dismantled and used for special weapons. So you would be taken apart in the worst case scenario. <laughs> so, yeah, you saved me. Fine. I'll keep your secret for now. But if it turns out you are a kaiju out to harm humanity, then I will kill you. And she's all super serious about this. Shinomi is like, oh no. And Kafka's like, yeah, right. Okie dokie. You kind of distorted there a bit uh, for me. What'd you say? No, I was just going to say, he's just like, okie dokie. Like, I just, like, really, really friendly about it. Like, you do what you need to now. It's okay. He's, he's a good dad. So, uh-huh. uh, Kikoru thinks to herself as they're riding in the truck now in the present, you better not disappoint me, Kafka Hibino. And he kind of looks at her and kind of, you know, has a sort of half smirk. And then he starts to get carsick. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently he got really nervous and so he overate and they're like, you're supposed to not eat when, you, when you're nervous. What What is what you're so weird? Then, anyway. Now, I disagree with that. I, whenever I'm anxious, do nothing but eat. That's like my number one go to. I do it sometimes too. I think that it's yeah, it's there's not just one reaction people have when they're nervous about a situation, and eating is a fairly common one. So, so. I think this is proof then that she might be an alien. <gasps> She's a kaiju. This is this oh, is no. this the first clue. Because a real person would understand, like, no, when I'm nervous, <laughs> I eat the entire box of Star Crunch. I don't even wait. I I just eat them all. This is going to be a lot more like a, like like parasite than than we initially oh, thought. Yeah. Like you know, aliens <laughs> acting weird. All of them are aliens. And all of a sudden, it gets really it, 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 like it just like it, it's really misogynistic. And <laughs> so they get to the location, uh, and they're able to spot the kaiju looming on the horizon. It's this big, multi-legged sort of mushroom. Cl- cloud, not cloud, mushroom uh, swarm, looks, I guess we'll call it. Looking it thing. looks like a turtle made out of mushrooms. Yeah, colony. Yeah. I like it. 
big two page spread saying it's like, all right, we're be- you know the operation is beginning. Uh, we get a bit of a. I don't know. He he starts doing this at a time when I think he should have been doing it in the truck, but he's doing it now. <laughs> the vice captain is like, here's what's going on, and here's the situation. Uh, uh, because, you know, Captain Ashura is leading a unit to dispose of the kaiju. We are, and, you know, we are dealing with the number that are being spawned from it. And so there, we'd be separating out into all these different neutralization zones. Your jobs are disposed of the yoju within the confines of these zones. And he says, this is a critical task. What, whether how successful we are here determines how much damage will be done to the city and how much money is going to be spent on rebuilding. Uh, and you guys are in newbie stations at the very tail end of these zones, but that also means you're the last line of defense. So stay frosting, essentially. And uh, he's like, make your, make your daddy proud, basically. Although he's not that kind of character. Yet. I, I guess I have hopes. Okay, I have hopes. He's gonna, he's gonna stop being Ichimaru Gin. I've got a hidden plot. And he's just gonna be. Da- he's just gonna be b- uh, boot sergeant daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kafka understands, of course, that in addition to you know, hey, we've got a mission to do and you know, a, a city pr- to protect. He's gonna prove himself. Otherwise, he's going to you know be out the door in a few months. So. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm under all this pressure, all this tension. But why then am I so freaking amped up right now? <sighs> hey, whatever gets you going, man. So, <laughs> uh, and he says, all right, let's do a Kikoru. And she and she, of course, responds, who the hell said that you could order me around? Uh, and uh, they take stations as a uh, Yonju rises up in front of them. It's considerably smaller than the giant turtle thing, but it's still pretty damn big. Pretty and, big, yeah. Uh, then we get our title for episode two of the series, Sagamihara Neutralization Operation at Daybreak. So, get excited. Big fight coming. Yeah. yeah I'm excited. I think so. And you know what? I like the mushroom designed monster. It's pretty cool looking. I don't think yeah. it's specifically going to have mushroom powers, but that'd be pretty cool if it did. And uh, mostly just looking forward to seeing the characters kind of interact with each other now that we've seen them in a training scenario. Now, how does Kafka, who does not have really any real combat ability on his own, manage? Punching, yeah. Yeah, like how does he manage now that he has to actually be like a a regular soldier, has to hide, but still, mm-hmm. you know, stand out because he needs to you know, earn yeah. his weight or he's gone. Yeah. I, I love the second to last page where they're all jumping off the building and he's kind of like hanging on the side. <laughs> so he's just kind of like, uh, I'll climb down. I'll climb down. Just wait for me. Don't wait for me. <laughs> Kafka, just use your suit. I can't. One <laughs> percent. Uh, we're going to just find out uh, by the end of this battle that uh, the actual brains behind this giant mushroom monster is actually the mushroom girl from uh, class one B. <gasps> That's right, Chris. Do you remember that girl? Do you remember? I, she was in class 1B? Yes. There's a 1B? 
You care nothing for, the, for any of them. That's great. I was like, I assume Tetsu Tetsu just doesn't show up all that frequently. Like He must really play hooky a lot because he's the only character who just doesn't show up at the class. Also, his name, uh, wait, Chris, don't you mean Tetsu Tetsu? Boom, nailed it. Spooky light. There we go. Stop it. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, um, I think of this chapter, it was good. I don't have a lot to say about it because it's just like, all right, we're going ahead now. So let's talk about Spy Family. Mission 34. Hey, it's the end of the tennis mission. Thank God. Uh, because it was a little too long. So, uh, but uh, they're, they're on their way back. Lloyd takes off his disguise and... Uh, Nightfall's like, hey, you know, I could, I could drive you all the way home. And Twilight's like, I'm playing a happily married man. It'd be pretty bad if rumors started out because I got out of the car of some, you know, young lady. So, yeah, we'll not, we'll, we'll not risk any of that. And, of course, she's thinking to herself, like, I did a good job on the mission. I worked so hard. Can't you see that I'm the more suitable wife for you? Your partner should be me. And Lloyd gets out as they get to the park. And he's like, all right, I'll see you, you know, at, at, at the hospital. Since Who they is cover there. thirstier? Her or the girl from, or Suzu from Ayakashi Triangle? <sighs> Nick's putting his thinking cap on. I haven't read Ayakashi Triangle, so uh. she she's really hungry. She's so it's up to you, Nick. I mean, so last chapter, the big plot point was Suzu used trying to use her newly discovered ability to put Matsuri back in his male body because she, because she wants to fuck him. Like <laughs> there is really not much other reason it could possibly be. It's not like their relationship has suffered negatively as a result of the transformation. So it must be physical. That can that that is the only reason that I can think of that is for that. But Matsuri also clearly wants to go back to his male body. He's just not nearly as enthusiastic about it as Suzu, but he probably wants it to happen. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure Lloyd would like it if this woman would stop jeopardizing his mission, which has the entire country at stake because she's too thirsty. So, yeah. so I'm going to go with her. Okay. All right. There you go. Definitive. Audience, right. you decide. Is Nick right or wrong? Your answers decide his fate going forward. I'm always wrong when it comes to our audience. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, of course, knew that Yor and Anya were playing tennis together at the park. And, hey, they happened to spot them over there just just by complete circumstance. Also, Bond's got a tennis racket. He's, he's helping. He's, he's, I he's love Bond. But, Nick, don't you mean no. Bond? <laughs> I mean, that sounded almost exactly the same as his actual name. But it wasn't because the lights went off when I said it. I mean, it's like you you started to mispronounce it and then realized your your mistake. Like that's what that sounded like. Don't you mean boo? Stop that. So nightfall spots her rival in love. So she. Heads over to Yor and greets her. 
And uh, Lloyd's got to be like, oh, yeah, I, it was on her way. So Fiona gave me a ride. And uh, Nightfall is like, yeah, I wanted to say hello. Do you play tennis too, Mrs. Forger? And you're, <laughs> and you're always like, well, you know, Anya got really into tennis when we practiced with Lloyd the other day. And I love Anya's line here. This is my favorite part of this entire chapter is just this one line from Anya because she gets super serious and her eyes gleam and she goes, I hit so many home runs. <laughs> This girl knows how to play tennis. So very proud of her. So uh Lloyd's like, oh yeah, and thanks to you guys, you know, I did well in the tournament. And Nightfall's like, oh come on, you know, don't don't freaking humor them. And she's getting really pissed off because just because they're all making nice together, she's getting pissed off. Like, I I actually helped Twilight to do to do better. I would never be so arrogant as to think that I was responsible for his for his upgrade in skills. So she makes a decision and says might I challenge you to a game, Mrs. Forger? And of course, you know, well, it's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was like, you know, uses their mouth uh, lip reading thing to communicate back. I have to make sure she's prepared for the physical rigors of Operation Strix. So, I mean, she's she's his cover. <laughs> she just has to be his wife. So I don't whatever. And of course, she's thinking to herself, I will break you. <laughs> so serious. So, and she's got it all figured out in her head. She's like, I will crush her heart. I'll relieve you of her own, the Forger family forever. And she's like, I'll break her heart, make her abandon Lloyd, and then I'll be his wife and pretend and then for real. And <laughs> there's such a, you're so sweet and innocent during this because she's like, I feel like if I lose, then then Lloyd might push me to side and, and then I'll have to go back to, you know, having to m make my brother feel bad with my assassin job, basically. And Anya, meanwhile, is reading everyone's thoughts during all of this. And she looks between the love triangle prospects, basically. And she flashes back to a conversation she had with Becky, where Becky was like, did you see Berlin to my favorite soap opera? Oh, the main character's fiance runs into his childhood girlfriend. And I just like, I mean, I just, just like cartoons. I don't care about your bullshit. But then she's like, I get it now. I like action battles too. <laughs> this poor girl has been misled on what soap operas are like now. Oh, so they get ready and Nightfall prepares to receive Yor's serve and she's like, come at me with everything you've got. So Yor is like, all right, holding back will be an insult to my opponent. So I'm going to go all out. And she tosses the ball up in the air and all of her muscles flex, veins bulge out. She gets this serious look in her face. She swings the racket and the ball hits the ground. So immediately Nightfall's like, hmm. I expected more from you. You're totally unfit. And then she sees that, oh, Yor didn't miss the tennis ball. She hit it so hard that the strings cut the ball into pieces. <laughs> and immediately Yor's like, oh, this always happens when I hit the ball too hard. So Vaughn, being a, being a good boy, brings a new ball over to Yor, and she's like, okay, I'll try again. And and Nightfall's like, what happened? What, 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 what happened? What happened? Yor hits the ball again, much lighter this time. And she fires a <laughs> fucking laser bullet at straight at Nightfall, who realizes, okay, this is clearly going out of bounds. 
but if I don't swing the racket, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> she swings the racket, and there's this huge impact as the racket starts to get pushed backwards. She adds her second hand to it. She's like, no, no, I must, I must return it. My feelings for Twilight are stronger. No object can match the weight of my love. Push the racket forward. Pierce his heart with the ball. I can't lose. Get the hell out of my way. And then the racket disintegrates in a beautiful two-page spread. Nothing this cool ever happened in The Prince of Tennis. All right. <laughs> Nick, I have a real question for you. Yes. Because you're you're a genius. In tennis, who would who would get the point here? Your would. Your your would get the point? Because she did attempt to hit it. Yes. If you so Nightfall is correct. If the ball does not go within the valid service area uh on a serve, if it doesn't impact within this one like square in the court then it counts as a fault. And so you have to do it again. And since she destroyed the ball on the first one, so I don't know if that counts as a let or if that <laughs> counts as her first fault, but either it would have been a fault or it would have been a double fault. Either way, it would be so, good. So you're, you're right. telling me you've never encountered a disintegrated ball? No. In- <laughs> well, and here we thought you knew about tennis. Altheon well, is bringing up a good point. Ball. If you break your opponent's racket, that's your point. Technically, it's not. If the ball, if the racket is destroyed and you still manage to serve the ball, you return the ball over the net, then as long as the racket doesn't hit the ground before the ball goes into the court and bounces twice or your opponent fails to return it, then you still get the point. If your racket is destroyed... And then the pieces of racket hit the ground, then yes, it's your opponent's point. So. Now, what if I'm under the effect of a power star when I do the return? Uh, so does your racket still break or in this scenario? <laughs> yes, but it's a gigantic. Yeah, that's my question. Am I am I going to get tested afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> so Nightfall's racket disintegrates. And she manages to push it forward, but she swings the handle and nothing else. We see the ball keep going and impact a tree. I don't know what the fuck kind of park this is that there are trees that close to the court. They're way too close. Well, they, they um, grew for themselves. Maybe, maybe a tree had to be summoned there or else the ball would have kept on going and caused massive devastation. I don't know. So Nightfall collapses to the ground and she... Thinks to herself, I've lost. I've been completely defeated. My heart's been crushed. Yor, of course, is worried about her. Lloyd is like, I mean, I told you not to do this. He's like, did he? Did he? You don't know that Yor's that strong. What the hell? I don't know. Maybe it's because she's been pushing herself the whole time. I don't know. So Nightfall says, I give up. At the moment, you are superior. Mrs. Forger, one day I will challenge you to a revenge match. Until that day, enjoy this life of yours. And she hops in her car and speeds off while crying to herself saying to herself, I will never give up. Never! Uh, so that all happens. Uh, then Lloyd's like, uh, I hope that that didn't give Yor the wrong idea you know, about you know Nightfall like do, doing that. But, you know, I mean, it's all a paper marriage anyway, so I, I guess she wouldn't, but she wouldn't care. But then Yor gets really excited. And she's like, I beat her! I beat her! And Lloyd's like, yeah, yeah, you won. Yeah. And so she struts away. And Lloyd's like, 
Suddenly, I'm very tired. <laughs> Dealing with all this shit. He goes to see the uh, the handler, uh, who basically tells him that the entire mission that they just went on, Chris, was entirely pointless. Because what? No, suddenly didn't feel that way. The secret of the guy whose note that they got that was attached to the painting, uh, it was just that he has a collection of um, starlet photos, like idol pictures, because while he is a great patron of the theater, he's always preferred musical comedies to operatic tragedies. And so he had this whole collection of starlet photos and it made his wife mad. So he decided to store them away somewhere. Um and so, yeah, the war that he was afraid of reigniting was not a matter of East versus West. It was the war of his marriage. And so they're like, yeah, nothing's going to cause war to reignite. So let's call that a win, I guess. He and, also uh, appears to have ranked the women because he's pulling a box that's labeled like SSR. So I'm like, that's his thought of like top tier waifus, I guess. Maybe it's his gotcha collection, Chris. I don't oh, know. Oh, that'd be so sweet. And then me and Jeff could talk about it. We'd be like, yeah. hey. Jeff has already spent $20 on this GameStop. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, no. This is my family gotcha game. Is it real? <laughs> it could be one day. <laughs> uh, there's a photo in the journal of the colonel with his family, presumably with his wife and daughter i guess yes it is his wife and daughter i forgot it says that um some mustache guy that i guess we've seen before um says like oh yes he was a family man he took his secret to his grave just to protect his marriage and the handler points out i mean if he loved his family so much he could have just gotten rid of his collection but uh lloyd is left to think to himself about this as he looks at the picture he's like hmm any lie can be justified if it's in the name of peace huh he goes to the bakery. He's still thinking to himself. And we cut over to the the forger's apartment. And Yor's kind of thinking to herself. And uh, then we kind of close on nightfall, uh, practicing her tennis by swinging a, a stick with a rock attached to it. So, oh, and also uh, Anya is feeding Bond by tossing treats into his mouth. So, damn straight. So, very, very introspective uh, conclusion to a spy family chapter. So that's a different kind of ending to all this. Yeah, the ending almost felt like it was like trying to. It might have just been introspective for a moment. I was like, Spy Family's not ending soon, is it? Because it felt like one of those ones that's like, hey, let's remind you of the central crux of all this because it's going to be more relevant going forward. Um, but really, this was like a really fun chapter. Um, it makes me kind of wish the Nightfall stuff had only been like. If we'd only actually spent like one chapter doing the tennis yeah. tournament, because then I feel like the bookends would have been a lot stronger because she's really funny in this chapter. Yeah. I feel like she actually needs the family to bounce off of when they when she is. I was like, oh, she's, she's pretty entertained. I like this. Yeah, it was a good payoff to all of it. You know, like, I mean, I understand having the whole like, oh, yeah, they're super awesome at tennis. And then your destroys her. So and that makes the joke a bit funnier. But. I don't think we needed to spend as long on this mission as we did. Um, yeah. Just because it wasn't as good as some of the other stuff we've seen from, from Spy Family. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they're going to fall in love? Do you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Ace has spoken. That's, gonna, that's all I need. So, I bet Anya dies. 
Okay. <laughs> I, like, I want to go for like the most bleak ending possible. <laughs> she yeah, di- next good. chapter. Next chapter. Anya is playing with Bond. Do, 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 do. Suddenly flashes for flashes as she reads his mind of her corpse. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she just no. She she drowns in a river trying to save Bond, and both of them drown. <laughs> so that's that's the other <laughs> ending. <laughs> like this <laughs> i'm sorry i have to i was too positive yours really <laughs> the, the future double shows up and he just shouts over the bodies that wash up on the shore the future rules yours really sad lloyd's like shit now i gotta get another kid <laughs> he's like i had to start all over again you know give me that beanie we're just gonna do plan b i'll be the kid <laughs> Walks in on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a special chapter to talk about this time. It's been a few months since the Promised Neverland ended. And a great note. <clears throat> uh, and it's a chapter all about Ray. Hooray. Oh, I didn't even mean to- but yeah, Nick, this- do you mean who boo Ray? There you go. Got them both in it for yeah, Hashtag Booray! <laughs> so, uh, this is set before the events of the series of, uh, you know, everyone thinks, oh, everything's happy at Gracefield House. And Ray is the only one who realizes this is a farm. And essentially, we just see him, you know, slowly kind of realizing what all of the different rules are that they are, you know, living under and stuff. Uh, he, we see him at by the end, like figuring out about the uh, tracking device in the ear and stuff. Uh, and he like we see him like have this nightmare of like all the kids in the house getting killed, and he can't do anything about it. Um, and you know him realizing that even you know mom is not an ally when uh, when he sees her approaching him and stuff. And uh, then towards the end of the chapter. We get this kind of montage of, you know, Ray being like the only one upset as these various kids are heading off. But by the end of it, as they're getting older and older, uh, he just gets this very, you know, just like more. We see basically, Chris, we see him become hashtag Ray on this page. (laughs) Uh, If you pull it up, it's page 15 where he starts off as a teary eyed little boy. But as time goes on, his hair gets spikier and his eyes get edgier. And and now he has to be like, he goes from like, why am I the only one who, who remembers to? Why does anyone else have baby memories? I don't care. Everyone, everyone's worthless. <laughs> they don't understand. Dark Souls is the best game because it's the hardest game. I'm the only person here who could beat it. The world needs me. Everyone else is like, what's what's Dark Souls? <laughs> Plebeians. No, this memory. universe didn't get invented because of the, you know, time di- the, the time divergence. So uh, and we see him, you know, make up his mind that, you know, he can't save everyone. So he's just going to try and save uh, his his, uh, his three way. I mean, his best friends, Emma and Norman. Uh, and uh, that's that's it. You know, he. We see him take Connie's money so that he can set everything in motion after that. So it's it's a prequel chapter. Um, there's a little, nice little tidbits here and there. But honestly, I read through all this and I kind of felt like this sort of just seems like it should have just been in the main series at some point or another. It would have fit in pretty well. out of the place being, yeah, this release later extra. Th- yeah, it's 
It's cool, but it's yeah, out of place. Like an Isabella um, uh, prequel kind of thing. I could see, you know, that expanding on stuff and you wouldn't be able to fit it in anywhere in the main series. But this really just kind of like fleshes out a few things that we kind of already knew. Um, I know that this was part of a thing that Shonen Jump is doing to commemorate like all the big series that recently ended. So because, you know, there's a Demon Slayer one as well this week. And I believe there's also going to be a Haikyuu one, but I'm not sure about that. So maybe this was just something that, you know, some editor thought of. And then uh, Kaishirai was was just like, ah, OK, um, here we go. So I don't know. Mm. Like I say it's I, I think it's, you know, good because, you know, it's stuff that was set back when the Promised Neverland was good. <laughs> But uh, it really feels like it could have just, you know, been a chapter early on in the series. So, yeah, I I didn't read it, to be honest. I, I've kind of had such a poor taste in my mouth from the way the Promised uh, Neverland ended that I just wasn't really interested in more Promised Neverland. What you what what was so bad about it, Chris? <laughs> oh, there's nothing. It's it was a perfect series. Every Promised Neverland discussion we had over the past calendar year. <laughs> I wish I wish they had kept some of like like we had gotten this prequel chapter, but it kept a lot of the logic that later Promised Neverland had. So it was like, I can't kill, I can't do it, even though I do have an AR-15 under my bread, an expert marksman trained, and I will just shoot my way through my problems. And I'm like, all right. And <laughs> also, I don't remember some of these guys' names, so I guess it's okay if they die. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's talk about a good series, Nick. Oh my God. This chapter. <laughs> so, um, a lot of crazy shit happened this week in manga, but nothing crazier than the idea presented in this chapter of World Trigger, chapter 202, Galapala, part 14. Let me, let me get my Osama. No, I need, I need Ace to do it. You need to, you need to do the, the, the World Trigger. You need to do that. World Trigger! There we go. There we go. It's a long... So last time we found out that Yotaro is actually the long lost prince of Ar- Ar- of Aristera. And mm-hmm. so that's why he's been here this whole time. So Yeah, could you tell because of his super cool helmet? <laughs> Such a stupid, amazing line. Because last time he he ends the chapter by saying, Sup, I'm a prince. And this time he says, Given my super cool helmet, I kind of thought people might have figured it out. He's such a goober. <laughs> so matter of fact, like, yeah, of course. Come on. This is what princes do. They wear super cool helmets. <laughs> so, of course, the guy who's not Reggie, I don't, I don't remember his name. They say it again at some point. I don't <laughs> care. I'll remember it when he's when they say it. I already forgot it. So he's like, no, that didn't give it away at all. Uh, we get, of course, you know, like, all right, to recap kind of the stuff that happened last time. Yes, Yotro's older sister is the Aristarian princess. She operates our mother trigger. When the mother trigger births Tryon, we use, co- he starts to say computers, but I think that he's like, I'm not going to explain what computers are. We use machines to control it. <laughs> so, Reggie's like, all right, so this princess has become a new god, then, is that right? So, I mean, your operation seems kind of small if that's the case. Well, no, she operates the trigger, but she's not a god. And the difference is like, yeah, we have a building from this 
but if she were a god, yeah, we could have a we could just have another planet. So that is the level of difference that having a god to operate your trigger has. So um, Reggie says, all right, so if you don't have a god, that must mean Border possesses a crown trigger. And so we come out of the flashback from here because Osama's like, what is that? And Yuma's like, yeah, even I don't know what that is. <laughs> so Gene explains, basically, a crown trigger serves the mother trigger as a planet's most powerful trigger. Uh, and Osamu is like, very, very good. Audience, audience surrogate. Ah, oh, so uh, uh, he repeats back some of the stuff that Gene said and then asks a clarifying question. So, um, yeah, sometimes a ground trigger guards the mother trigger. Sometimes it is wielded to help the planet thrive. It, it's a tool that, you know, helps out. So uh, Yuma's like, oh, you're talking about Tsuchigami which are these things that were on in the nation that Yuma used to live where they were just kind of helpful drone robot dog things that went around cleaning up messes, fixing broken buildings and, and stuff like that. And so <laughs> this fucking reveal. So Osama says, well, then what's borders crunching to like, our crown trigger is her, and Yotaro points at Raijin Maru, the capybara! Botnik! So Don't you mean Raijin Maru? <laughs> the the capybara is a trigger! <laughs> and look how proud she is of herself. She's just like, yeah. Capybars <laughs> are truly noble creatures. So, they are giant rats, Chris. <laughs> that I, I I believe often used to symbolize royalty in the world. In the world, yeah, yeah, they are here. <laughs> yeah, he just gets it. There, one example. That's all I need. That's that's evidence. <laughs> so, Reiki says we're certainly learning a lot here. <laughs> yes, you are. I, I love the page of uh, of Raijin Maru, like, rampaging, and that just, I hope there are, like, kaiju battles later. Yeah. No, if you had messed with Yotaro, then there would have been a giant kaiju attack from this copy bar. So, that all happens. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we hope that we can join forces with you. Reggie's like, I mean... Okay, but I don't really get actually how this benefits you to for us to, you know, be traitors. I mean, look, you know that Galapal is a vassal state of Aftokrator, and we're under their control. But our forces are only a tiny fraction of what they have. And uh, this is Shinoda, right? I'm not misremembering that. Glasses, dude. That's uh, uh, Rindo. Oh, now I'm... I don't know. Have I have I thrown you off? Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's Rindo. Just just double check. I was there I was doubting go. myself. Okay, so I was misremembering. All right, I'm sorry I've thrown you off like that. <laughs> so Rindo um, is like, okay, yeah, we heard you know how Galapola's royal family was killed off by Aftokrator. Your mother Trigger was taken hostage, and so just. If you give if you give him apple slices, he'll tell you anything. This little ass, what? Can he eat them? Like what? what? 
Does he just like having the apple slices? Maybe he just likes people serving him. Maybe it's the it's the sim it's the sim uh, the, the symbolism of it that is all that he's <laughs> so. So, uh, Rindo is like, hey, you know, look, um, this guy's side effect is telling us. He points over to Jin that it's in your our interest to team up with you guys. And they're like, what are you talking about? And Jin's like, I can see the future. Future, future rules. <laughs> so, oh, that's right. We, Nick, we, let's uh, let's steal the concept of death battle to have a death battle between Jin and the future devil. I mean, I don't know if you can hurt the future devils. <laughs> <laughs> he always sees it. Every ending's the perfect ending for him. Oh, man. If Denji eats the future devil, does like time just stop? Shit. Oh, <laughs> or we're just incapable of thinking about the future at all. So, Jin says, uh, to add on to this whole, I can see your future. If you join forces with us, you won't regret it. So, Reggie tr- brings back this information to uh, their ship. And the commander is like, hmm, I mean, I don't know if I believe him, but that, I guess, would explain why uh, they seem to be so far ahead of us uh, when we targeted their ship uh, during the, our last operation. So, they talk back and forth about it a little bit. And uh, then, eventually... Uh, Reggie says to their captain, like, hey, what should we do? And Captain Gatlin says, well, we don't have enough intel to trust them as negotiating partners, but what would you do? So he starts to say something, and they cut away, and then we cut to the present. And so now we finally found out these are the people that Gene wanted to introduce Osamu and Yuma to. Uh, it's uh, Reggie and it's Rata. And I've been calling Rata Regi this entire time. <laughs> my bad. Rata <laughs> walks up to them. Osama and Yuma introduce themselves and stuff like that. Uh, Regi is like, what the hell is with all these children that are so important? You know, um, Jin says, all right, so you're I'm assuming that you, you know, are considering, you know, teaming up with us then. And Rata says, well. Uh, here's some data on NAFTA's uh, vassal states. Uh, we're ready to accept your conditions. As to the matter of us working together in the long term, I've got something with me. And Yuma's like, you gotta tell us what it is, because he's reached into his coat pocket and he's not saying anything. And just like, well, if you can really tell the future, you can tell me that. And Jean's like, identifies like, it looks like a silver hoop, maybe a bracelet, and there's a floral pattern on it. And yeah, it's exactly what it is. So he hands it over. I think Reggie fell in love because his face looks very blush in this in that uh, first panel there. You knew he, what I was going to give. He's like, oh, my heart's a flutter, dump dump. Friss, don't go down this path. There is no gay shipping for World Trigger. I am very confident in this. Not at all. I can't think this of two straight series. I can't think of two characters so. who would even be compatible in this series at all. No, no. So. Um, Rudd explains that the trigger is a communication and homing device and that he has the corresponding device that matches up with it. So they've got Viva cards that also allow for communication. There you go. Uh, so this is why I kind of like, uh, anytime you run like a, a long running tabletop campaign, one of the first things you do is find a way to just give the character sending for free. You're like, look, yes. long range communication. You just have it. Just it's there. You have it now. Don't worry about split it. Up, split up as much as you want. It's going to happen anyway. Yeah. So 
they they decide all this, and Gene says, "Okay, well, this will be on the away mission, and that way you'll know our ship's location. You'll know we've kept our promise to delay the mission." And on that note, I'm going to give it to Four Eyes, and he hands it over to Osamu, and Osamu's yeah, like, "This uh, isn't my my style. Sorry, clash." <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm very flattered, but it just doesn't go with my jacket. <laughs> it doesn't go with my sunglasses. <laughs> so he hands it over to Osamu, uh, and uh, Jin says, look, I mean, this is not going to be my mission. We've got the day after Kratora's underlings, and I can see now that I'll be better off if I hang back and protect the city, because I'm too broken a character to go on every mission with you guys, so I'm going to hang back here. Uh and uh, Osama looks a little doubtful for a bit. Uh, he says, I mean, we'll know each other's location, but couldn't that intelligence be linked back to uh, uh, from Galapola to Aftokator? And Bragi's like, I mean, you guys are keeping an Aftokator POW, so what the hell are you <laughs> trying to call us on now? Uh, Barada just says, you're just going to have to trust us. Yuma nods at Osamu to let him know, like, it's okay, because he can read, he can tell if they're lying. And Osama's like, all right, fine. Gene's uh, like, yay, an alliance has been formed. You can think of these two guys as Tamakoma's reps. So be sure to play nice. They make some pleasantries. And then Regi and Rada leave. And uh, Osama then brings up, hey, you know, I get why you wanted Yuma along here. But why am I representing Tamakoma when I haven't even passed the away mission test? And Yuma says, well, maybe Gene saw the future. And so he knows you'll pass. And Gene's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, maybe? His expression is so good. That, uh... <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a great, like, I don't know. <laughs> but he's like, hey, you know, just use that as encouragement, though. Kick the test butt, all right? And his son was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then Yuma says, by the way, during the talk right there, the Galapolo guy lied about something and, and and they ask for clarification and Yuma just says the very first thing he said his name and so we cut back to uh, Captain Gatlin's ship and uh, Rod has told them all what's happened and he says I'm sorry that I made you all follow my decision but everyone's like no it's okay it's your call and Gatlin says yeah I call the shots when it comes to this squad but regarding Galapola on the whole you should be the one deciding, and we will obey. And we are int- reintroduced to Rata, whose true name is Orkan Marduk, Galapala's fourth prince and fugitive. Uh, I'm going to call him Orky. And I like That's him a lot. Him. Also, there was... I... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'll just say, I like his new haircut. Uh, I- I'm not yeah. digging his his old one yeah he doesn't need to be the fantasy elf prince haircut get rid of that yeah i like it better uh this was kind of teased before not the specifically part of it but it was supposed to be that he was to claim he was the son of the 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 captain right wasn't that an element before if you got captured or something yeah so they they there was some tease that you know his true parentage was important obviously him being a prince is is a pretty big deal uh And it's just a pretty big chapter. It's, you know, we're moving on. We're going to do an away mission. I swear to God, if it's a fight against another team, though, I may lose my mind. I'm like, I can't go back to the rank wars. I can't. I can't. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) The away mission test. What's it going to be like? 
I want to know what bag, what was in the bags that Jin brought for them. Because they leave, and then, like, Rada's got them next to him, and I'm just like, what is this? Like, is it clothing? Is it food? Oh, yeah. I was like, hey, kegger time, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Booze, 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 booze. They're like, this planet has everything. I have loved these latest chapters. Like, Rank Wars are cool, but, like, there's so much story coming out, and it's so good. And Raijin Maru! Now I'm like, I mean, we have to get a like a period of time where someone does piss off Rachimaru and get, like, the Kaiju Capybara fight. Like, now that it's been teased, you can't... This is Chekhov's Capybara. You can't not show it. I mean, especially now, like, the most noteworthy thing I can think of Rajimaru doing to this point was... When Yotro tried to ride her somewhere and was like, come on, let's go. And she wouldn't move. And he's like, ride tomorrow. Come on, let's go. And she's just like standing there. So <laughs> the idea that that would turn into a giant destructive monster is just like, pets are weird. Ah, <laughs> oh, yep. capybaras truly are the best. All right. Good chapter of World Trigger. I, I really like the uh, story progression we've gotten in these latest few chapters. It's a nice change of pace to, yeah. Nothing happening in that one last rank war battle that we saw that was just like, I mean, I don't really care what happens between these people. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move on to Eden Zero, chapter 113 in the doghouse. Um, Do you guys have like a like a pet person fetish? No, you're gonna have a problem with this chapter then, because uh, <laughs> I'm looking up this chapter. I've not read this. Well, I'll give you everything you want to know. So, uh, it's remember that scene from One Piece where they they meet the celestial dragons, and period. That's it, because that's just the entire chapter. Basically, it's just the interior the uh, celestial dragon scene for One Piece again. Um. We start off by going to the verdant planet of Foresta, or Foresta. Which has good food and is very famous for having mm-hmm. good food. Yep, and it's covered in forests. So uh, clearly the person who landed on this planet was very tired when he when they got there and was just like, I don't, just, uh, it's got a lot of forest. Foresta, I don't know. I just want to go home. I'm very tired. <laughs> Uh, so they, they land there. Just one guy. Just one guy is responsible for naming all the planets in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they land on the planet and they're like, hey, I can't connect to the internet here. And they're like, this is strange. Which specifically says, or sister rather says, something stinks. And Moskoy says, my apologies. And then farts. So he's. He's got a personality. It's coming through every day. They decide to go adventuring. They're, they're going to travel down. And we actually get the one cool thing where, where Forresta is part of the uh, the Owl Cosmos. Uh, there are actually fish that, that swim just through the forest, you know? And it's 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 a very cool visual. Um, everyone seems to enjoy it. I don't know why they decided to interrupt it with two characters having a discussion of what's the difference between a forest and a jungle. Um and then Weiss is it's a boomer. So that, it's so that Rebecca can try and Google it, but the internet doesn't work. So Also, Weiss is a boomer, and he's like, why can't you kids in 50 years ago in the future go a day without the internet? In my day, we didn't need to use the internet every single day. 
Uh, meanwhile, his ability is to alter technology he touches, so <laughs> it's not really blending super well that he would be like, can't you get away from your phone for one second? He built an Iron Man suit. And also in very stereotypical cranky boomer fashion, Shiki and Homura both go, I mean, I didn't grow up with the internet, and he's going to be like, well, you don't count! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they arrive uh, at a town, and they're really excited because, I don't know if you guys heard, Forresta has really great food. So, Famous for it. Yeah, can't wait to try it. Uh, but when they get there, they find this town where there are robots walking around, but humans are on leashes being walked like dogs. <gasps> and then there's other humans who have been left to rot, and other humans in cages. What is happening and we see uh, two robots walk up and start talking to each other. And one of them's like, yeah, I think my robot's lost her appetite. She might die soon. And she's really sad. And the other robot's just like, you should bathe her more often. You know, you got you to gotta make sure you clean and bathe your human. And uh, you got to feed them with old world food. You can't just give them dog food. Uh, but the guy who's being walked by that robot's like, oh, no, that's my fiance. She's like, I don't think I can go on any longer, which is weird because we find out later this has only been happening for like a week. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I can't really describe how it would be to be dehumanized that fast. But I feel like you wouldn't reach your breaking point that quickly. You know what? Well, I ain't going to go there, I guess. Um, it's it's very sad because uh, the one robot hits her because she shouldn't talk. Robots are like, no, bad dog. I'm going to kick you. Uh, and then the one robot's like, oh, you shouldn't hit her because humans are very difficult to repair. You must take care not to break them. And then the one robot shoots the other robot's head off. And it's like, <laughs> well, he, his logic is even we is really weird. So dapper robot, I'm going to call him. It's like, you know, humans are difficult to repair. You, you must not, you must take care not to break them. He's not saying, like, don't treat her that way. Treat her, you know, in a way that is respectful and stuff like that. Because, I mean, he's got a human on a leash, too. It's not like that. But he's like, you'll break your property and it'll be really difficult to fix it. So be more responsible with it. And the guy's like, I cannot. Bots are meant to be free. <laughs> like, he's like, what you say is heresy. <laughs> he says, he shouts as he kills another robot. <laughs> Freedom for robots forever. <laughs> Die, robot. It, it'd be a different case if he killed one of the two humans, but he killed another robot. So it's like, uh... Yeah, if he, if he had, like, shot the other... If the, if he had shot the other robot's human, it feels like it would have been a lot more logically consistent with what he was saying, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, then a bunch of people, like, so the group's like, oh, no, some people are coming towards us. So they all have to get down all fours and pretend like they're dogs so that Pino and Happy can be like, nope, those are our pets. No need to worry about it. The one robot who comes up is like, but I want one. And I'm like, I mean, that's that's not how having a pet works. I don't see a nice dog at the park. And I'm like, give it to me. You have three. I want one. Uh, Shiggy uses his powers to break the ground underneath it, and Wise actually does something kind of cool where he just places his hand on the robot's head and, like, explodes his face. Because that's what his, his ether gear would do. And everyone's like, you didn't kill that robot, did you? And he's like, nah, I just shortened him out. And then I guess Hamora got really into role-playing, because she's like, arf, arf! Oh, wait, I'm not yeah. supposed to be saying arf anymore. <laughs> then Couchpo shows up. Nick, do you remember Couchpo? Yeah, she was really into food, because yep. she's fat. Mm-hmm. And she's really... In, this is the plant with the best food. And I'm not certain how this goes, because she explains, again, a week ago the robots went crazy. 
I went to town to get more food. And I'm like, but if humans aren't in control anymore, why would the robots still be making food for humans? That's really she's fancy. eating pizza in this, like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, basically, it's nice to see her. She's like, hey, you know, I was going to be here. They canceled all the flight. Something crazy happened. Someone hacked all the TVs, a skull-faced robot, and it was Ziggy. And he basically told all the robots that the uh, the age of humanity was over and robots were supposed to take over. And all the robots went crazy and either killed or captured all the humans. And Shiki's like, is the robot still here? And I'm like... I don't know. You don't have to be on a planet to hack its systems. And then a gigantic robot breaks into the room and is like, they're humans and food thief. And Couch Pro's like, how rude. I paid for the food. Which I kind of wish somebody was like, I don't feel like that's the point you need to be hitting on right now. <laughs> We're in a little bit more of a dangerous situation. And um, that's chapter. Shiki blocks the punch and is like, if he's going to hurt my friends, I'll have to take him down. That's my character motivation. Uh-huh. Friends. Yep. So. Um, this is all dumb. <laughs> and that's the end of my thoughts on this. General, my thoughts, exactly. Generally, I don't like I, I ever since Shiki used his gravities to pull memories into him. I've been like, OK, I could just accept when the when Eden Zero is a little bit dumb. But this is legitimately the the exact situation that happened when we first met the Celestial Dragons. I think right down to like two like fiancés meeting each other in like the slave position or something, some scenario that was very similar to that. So it was kind of weird to feel like it was being, I, I you know, parallel thinking. I get that. I'm not accusing plagiarism or anything like that. But it was definitely something where you're like, I remember seeing something that was like this in One Piece. And it was just way better in one piece because it also didn't cram two other plots into the same chapter. Like, this really felt like a lot to try to put into one chapter. It's a very crowded chapter, yes. And it's dumb. It's yes. crowded with dumb. It, it, so. is, it is very dumb. Right. <clears throat> Nick, we got to talk about Chainsaw Man. Vroom, vroom. Chapter 87. Chainsaw Man versus the Horrifying Weapon Humans. That sounds like a movie I'd like to go see. Yeah. So, uh, Makima introduces her seven dogs. Sorry, followers. Uh, she says they are not humans, devils, or fiends. The name that referred to them was eaten by human race. So, it really makes makes catchy terminology very difficult so could you stop doing that please you know yeah uh and but she says despite the fact that the name that referred to them was eaten somehow their existence was not of the many names you consumed they are the sole exception do you remember um i'm probably not and uh he's not talking a lot right now so (laughs) no whatever it's, uh, Makima says, the weapon devils and the four horsemen who are now here. Uh, fucking, sorry, my computer's freezing up right now. So, there's a fight that happens between <laughs> Denji the Chainsaw Man and all of the weapon devil people. The seven high and, yeah. Yes. Uh, so. Nope, I think we're losing Nick here. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh. 
Uh, so Deji is fighting against seven of them, and they all strike him all at once. And then I don't really know what happens. Half the building explodes. <laughs> so we As know, it does. yeah, we know that Deji attacks because he basically super murders like three of the hybrids at once and like shoots across half of the city to do it and it's like basically seven straight pages of it happening where he's just shooting across the city and smashing through buildings and then eventually like lands inside one building with like four of the the hybrids just ripped to pieces it it definitely looks like he murders uh Quan Ji and then I don't know the other ones. There's one that looks like a sword devil. And then I think there's another one in there. All right. Uh, I think Nick's still having some connection issues. Oh, I'm seeing him now. Just imagine Chainsaw Man in the world of uh, Kaiju number eight. All the cleanup they'd have to do. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, man, these guys are annoying. They're always exploding everywhere. They keep killing the tomato devil and he just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can hear Nick audibly. I heard him. I heard him chortle. <laughs> nope, still not there. Okay, so uh, basically, Dingy's just murderized half of them. And then the katana devil lands and he's like, who uh whatever uh, uh kenshin used to say when he would kill you uh umarato whatever you are already dead he does like the big samurai sword slash move and then he explodes instead <laughs> so denji just eliminates him and makima with as straight of a face as possible says okay this looks unwinnable <laughs> and it is the absolute Best end to a chapter. <laughs> well, we're screwed. This is a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe we made a little oopsie. <laughs> oh, do we have Nick? I see him looking. I think that we're fi- st- finally starting to get back. There right. we go. Yeah, there we go. Hey. Yes, Denji basically straight up kills two of the devils, and Maki was like, well, all right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, man. It is very funny. I don't know why. I love the end of that. This looks unwinnable. No worry in her face, but that's kind of the face I would have if I was like, ooh, I really thought I had him. I really thought I was the one with the upper hand here. Doesn't she... Like, I was kind of confused. I I was pretty far behind on Chainsaw Man, so I I kind of uh, marathoned it over the last few days. Doesn't she, like, want to get eaten by Denji, though? She has kind of this idea that if she does lose, she doesn't mind being eaten by him because there's kind of, like, an obsession to it. But she she is trying to actually win, though, too, because if she can control the Chainsaw Devil, then she could basically erase every enemy and then make the world a better place by erasing all the bad things. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. This is wild. Yeah. All right, Nick. Okay. As soon as I can actually see it. Hang on. Actually, you know what? We're going to go ahead and... Oh, are we going mobile? We're going mobile in just in case. Yeah. Uh, So, Maguchan, God of Destruction. But, Nick, don't you mean Magbuchan, God of... (laughs) I guess destruction's already pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we were introduced to uh, the third of the chaotic gods uh, last time. She stands the holy knights. She's a she's a, she's a basic bitch who stands holy knights, and she's very weird. Chapter you can't fourteen. <laughs> Chapter 14, A Scream of Chaos echoes through the school. This is technically a Naputaku chapter. Uh, we begin with Naputaku being resented food uh, as, as he's cleaning up at his part-time job at Ren's family's uh, restaurant. And then uh, the, he's presented with, you know, his payment, his, his paycheck. And he looks at it and he's like, what am I supposed to do with these pieces of paper and metal? <laughs> They don't have... This isn't food! <laughs> and unfortunately, he doesn't have the Homer Simpson internal voice to tell him that they can be exchanged for goods and services. So he's, he instead, he eats the envelope, it looks like. <laughs> so. Oh. Ren gets home, uh, and from this, Naputiko learns that Mag has been hanging out at the occult club at the school lately, and so Naputiko's like, Oh, right! I, wanna, I, I hate that guy, and I want to kill him! And uh, so he stomps off with uh, w one of his hermit crabs in tow. Presumably the rest are following. Um, at the school, Ruru uh, leaves Magu in the uh, in the in the uh, club room. And is like, OK, I got to go off to class. So you be a good boy until I'm back. And Magu says, very well, my minion. I shall guard the temple. You do that, buddy. Um, so Ruru heads off. And uh, at that moment, Uneris appears and she's perched on the back of a pigeon, which I believe is supposed to just be uh, the pigeon belonging to uh, the Holy Knight guy. Uh, Shion, I think is his name. Um, and so she's like, yeah, I wanted to check out the school. And Mug is like, you have come to threaten my territory. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I wouldn't bother. It would, it would be futile to do that. I have only one goal in mind. The school! The fun-filled city of the countless anime and manga! I wanted to see and she's like is like visualized in a in a in a Sailor Fuku. What a weeb! Basically. And she's like, you could call this a holy pilgrimage. And we are reintroduced to Providential Uneris. Skill the art of magic, she is an excessively basic evil god. Just her. Uh, Magu with the most cutting line ever. I've never cared for you. <laughs> uh, Nabutuko arrives. He's he's there. He opens the door with the help of his hermit crab pals, and uh, he's chewing out Magu. He's like, "Oh, you thought you could expand your territory? Ah, why is Uneris here? Because <laughs> um, he's pathetic and a coward, you know." So. He's all pissed at her because he blames her for the fact that he's stuck in this tiny body. Um, and Magu's just like, I wish you would leave. I, I just want to be loved with my shoujo manga. It's like, it's okay. That's Magu's more like it, more like an occult club member than he realizes, isn't he? Huh? So. <laughs> An announcement goes over the PA system, uh, calling for Yuika, who says to herself as she gets the announcement, I guess they finally caught the, the false name I put on my test. That can only hurt you, you dumb bitch. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so, the PA system, however, intrigues Naputuku. Uh, and Nuneris explains how it works. So, you know, it amplifies the voice and stuff like that. And he's like, wait a minute. 
it amplifies your voice to transmit information. With this, I could expand the power of my madness bark scream thing. I can't remember the exact terminology for it. So he hustles off to go to the uh, announcement room because he's like, yeah, with this, I can extend my voice and have everyone fall under control of it. It's like, all right, that, that solid plan. Makes sense. Uh, Magu chases after him. So Naputuku is like, stop him, my hermit crab troops. And they make like a pyramid for some reason to, to get Magu. I don't know. Uh, Uneris is flying around. And she's just being basic and is like, oh, this looks like fun. We're going to watch. You know. Uh, Yuika stumbles across Naputsuku and grabs his head because she's awful. Uh, and then Kyo spots them and is like, oh, a cryptid. And so she tries to approach him <laughs> with scissors. So now that both of them are chasing after Naputsuku, Magu's got some hermit crabs still clamping onto him. Um, one of the teachers is patrolling the hallway and he spots Magu, but Magu takes his incognito mode and disguises himself as a ball. So the teacher's like, this ball has one eye, but I don't think this is weird at all. <laughs> so picks him up to, to confiscate him, basically. Naputsuku gets to the broadcasting room, but it's locked. Uh, Uneris is watching from outside as she's like, open the door! Use your to open the door her pigeon starts attacking his head the poor guy uh but she says i mean i've got no obligation to help you guys i just didn't lend my power to, to humans that i like i'm not so easy i mean you're, you kind of are i mean you threw all the other chaos gods under the bus because you thought the knights were cool so you kind of are so nabutica's like oh i know i'll pay you and he regurgitates his paycheck and hands his pay over to her. He's like, Oh, I mean, this is all I've got to pay you with though. Just some scraps of paper and metal I got for my part-time work. And then is like, okay, deal. I'll open the door for you. <laughs> and she just says to herself, she's counting is like, I could buy so much anime. And merch with this." <laughs> so she opens the door with her power. Naputsuku goes up to the mic. He's like, yes, now I'll make the school mine. Magu is being carried away by the teacher to the gym storeroom. He spots uh, Naputuku through a window far away, so he snags his tentacles around uh, what looks like uh, the bars you see at like uh, like the uh, track and field area, um, like pull-up bars, I think. And uh, so he stretches himself out and then launches like a slingshot, flies through the air, and just as Naputuku is going to unleash his power, flies through. The exact same door that is still open behind them and borfs, I don't know, let's just call it Naputsuku, and stops him. So the announcement cannot be made. So Veneris is like, oh, you're no fun. But I guess, I mean, you made it to the broadcasting room, so you could say something in his place. And Maga's like, what are you up to? And Veneris says, I don't know. I want to. I just want to get a taste of these immature human culture. So let's let them listen to some higher being radio. And there's a really weird little joke, but it's still really cute of her acting as DJ. Like she puts on the headphones and she gets the she dials things up. It's just it's the PA system. Like <laughs> it can't be that complex. I like to think their PA system really does have like switchboards and like different levels like going on. 
It's a full DJ station. The, like the school budget spending is out of control. They got the most expensive audio setup you, you possibly get for this when all they needed was like a microphone. So someone could say gym class is canceled. And that's like, that's all you need. Like the logic was like, uh, like at a PTA meeting, like there's concerns about the school spending. Do we really need a $70,000 school announcement system? And like the, the, you know, the principal was just like, Yes, but what if Drake comes and we don't have it? <laughs> then what will he use? And the parents are just like, ah, I guess he's got us there. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's going to be sand for lunch for another year. <laughs> we have no desks. We have no chairs. But look at our PPA system. <laughs> don't worry, kids. It's all going to be worth it when, when Drake shows up. Everyone who was an AV club at school is like, no, that's how it looks like, you idiots. <laughs> so Magu gets on the PA system and it goes, I mean, about how you would expect it would. He's like, listen, foolish, lowly humans. My name is Magu Manuaku, god of destruction. Bow before me and worship me and aid in my resurrection as my followers. And Ruru, of course, immediately reacts to this and she makes amazing time getting to the room as he's just getting into like the really dumb stuff he's like i desire offerings of flesh i most prefer offerings high in protein such as natto and ruru comes bursting into the room and clotheslines from hell this guy (laughs) and then she pet shames all three of the gods with the <laughs> use the school PA in the school without permission sign. And I like how all three of them are strung up, but only Magu's really being punished because M- Naputaku is asleep and Inaris is just floating so that there's no tautness to the rope she's strung from. And that's it. That's the chapter. It's a fun chapter. I liked it. You like Inaris maybe a little bit more after this one, or are you, are you just glad that there was more Magu in it? Uh, I'm still not a huge Inaris fan. I, I think Magu is the perfect joke, and everything else is unnecessary at this point. But I liked it better than, I think, the last chapter. I like me a basic bitch. I mean, I do love the joke with her, which is just like, she has an incredibly powerful ability. She still has access to seemingly all of it, but she's just like, yeah, I like humans because I'm a massive otaku freak, and so I'm not going to try and take over the world. <laughs> um, so let's talk about We Never Learned then. Question 176. Ooh. A pizza bet equals tomorrow night's Pixie Part 8. So, last time... Yuig is dying, and <laughs> to save him, they need to do surgery, but Asumi's father has broken his hand and cannot perform the surgery, so Asumi must take it on herself. We got... I, I missed yeah, so you. much of the series! What the hell? So we are... are the, yeah, are you aware <laughs> that we're currently in alternate route endings? I had heard that. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're in we're in the Asumi ending, and yeah. we probably have about a chapter left. Yeah, but uh, Urega basically saving some kids managed to get impaled on like some wood, and is dying. So Asumi has to perform the surgery to save him. We escalated real quick. Three chapters ago, 
It was about monkeys stealing clothes at a hot spring. <laughs> and, well, she had to save his life then, too, you may yeah. recall, though. Yes, his social life. He wasn't physically going to die there. So, some girl, some some girls showed up at the hot spring, and so they saw if they were to see the two of them together, they'd be like, "Oh no, the you know Yuiga Sensei is a pervert." So he hid under the water, and assume he had to pass oxygen to him under the water by kissing him. So that was the level of life of life threatening circumstances we were dealing with before, and now it's surgery. <laughs> now it's if I don't do this surgery, the man I love will die in my hands, <laughs> by my hands too. Yeah. Uh, so assuming basically it's like, look, being a doctor is hard, right? You know, we, we struggle, we have to grapple with our powerlessness. We're constantly fighting against life and death. And the best thing I could do right now is serve as your hands. Like it, that's what I have to do. So please guide me and I'll perform the surgery and we will do our service to, you know, save our patients. And, you know, uh, you Asubi's father is like repeats her whole phrase of like our purpose as doctors is to serve our patients okay and uh we we see actually a bit of the surgery as asumi is very nervous her hand is trembling she's she's freaking out you know her, her dad's kind of like hey you got to pay attention to the branch into the blood vessels make sure that you know nothing explodes and as she's worried she thinks back to Uega saying like hey you know don't be worried. Your fear actually proves just how much you care about your patients. So that's much better than a doctor who knows no fear from the start. And I know you could find a way to enjoy even that fear and pressure. And she has a moment where she's just like, okay, it's normal to be afraid. Accept it. Observe your own fear and then focus completely on the person in front of you. Focus on Kohai. It's a great coming to coming to maturity moment for her as a doctor which is why it was very important for us to see that her scrubs are riding up her butt crack. <laughs> Look, this series will not stop. <laughs> Look, she is performing life-saging surgery and her badonkadonk be looking fine. All right. She just both of these things can be true and had to be told to us. Apparently. <laughs> hey, Yuiga, does Asumi got the booty? <laughs> Come on, you guys! Don't leave me hanging. Assume he sit on his face. Maybe can we can resuscitate him. <laughs> uh, so we get our patented uh, penultimate chapter flashback of the girl remembering all their great times with Uega, and it opens with her when the first time she met him with the narration. The first time I met him, I thought he was lame. <laughs> I love that opening. Uh, it's nice to have that honesty. Yeah. So. Uh, but we see that, obviously, all the stuff with her father and how Uega would pretend to be with her. And, and then the time she'd get close to him. And then this is the world where she was the hand, uh, the fireworks girl. Uh, you know, she just says, I wonder when it started to become like this, when you started to become more and more important to me. All these little scenes that, that add up. And eventually leading to, to the kiss they once shared. And then the Doha-chan invite that she declined. And she's like, the truth is, that day I was really happy. So happy, I almost wanted to cry. And when we met again on this island, it seemed like fate. I was so happy. When we said goodbye, I felt like I couldn't face you. But even so, I really wanted to be with you. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was unfair of me. But I really enjoyed flirting with you. 
and she just apologizes. She says, I don't, again, these characters pick the worst times to do this because she still appears to be in the midst of at least some level of the surgery. And, uh, honey, it's gonna die! <laughs> and she's like, hey, Dad, I'm sorry we lied about being a fake couple. <laughs> it, was just, just, it was just him I like... Said, honey, I can't hear you over the sound of your fake boyfriend's death throes! <laughs> Assume me, maybe later, you accidentally nicked his heart! <laughs> Uh, so he's like, yeah, I knew. And I could tell that at several points you were actually close to telling me. I was teasing his heart. It was unfair to me. No, you're like stabbing it. (laughs) Uh, so he's like, you know what? But hey, it actually seemed like fate because we, you know, me and his dad way back in the day even brought it up. And you know what? I like him, not as my friend's son or as your boyfriend, but simply I like you, Ega, as a human being. And she's, he's like, what do you think about him? And she's like, yeah, I mean, he's more to me than just a prop to convince you with. And then her dad's just like, then who's to say that lie will always stay a lie? Remember what I said when I came to this island to sue me? No, I wasn't there, dad. He's like, I, I came to see my daughter and her boyfriend. <laughs> Like I wish the the like the ship captain had like poked his head. It's like that is what he said. I was I was there. I was there when he was there. He did say it because <laughs> you weren't there. But I am here to affirm that this is <laughs> this. What he I means. mean, it's a bit of a flaw in terms of like him asking her, but it is actually it's a, a cool f- bookend. Yes, I it, mean, that's that's really cool. Like yeah, <laughs> it's a very sweet sentiment. And Sumi finishes the surgery by saying, "Hey." You know, Kohai, when you wake up, I have so many things I want to tell you. I promise not to play games or run away anymore. So please come back to us. And you, she snips up the end of the surgery with the, the thread and stitches. And it's a perfect stitch, just like Uega taught her at the far, the very start of the series. Um, we see all the people from the island are, are sleeping at the clinic. And Uega finally opens his eyes with Asumi over him. And he says, oh, I was just dreaming about you when we first met in cram school. And she's like, oh, me too. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you something. And I don't know how he had this in his hand. I don't like I I, there's so much in this chapter. I'm like, logically, this doesn't make sense. But emotionally is destroying (laughs) me because he holds he holds out and it goes time to open up my ticket pouch. (laughs) (laughs) You accidentally sewed it up inside of me. (laughs) So he he reaches out with the the old Doa Chan ticket and he says, Asumi, I love you. Will you be my real girlfriend? And of course, Asumi's first reaction is to be like defensive, like, no, I'm impressed. You really, you know, took me by surprise. And then she's like, you know, fuck it. Uh, Actually, I've been loving with you the whole time. I I needed to tell you I should be the one. Let me be your real girlfriend. And that's that's how the chapter ends. Oh, it's very sweet. Oh, yeah. And so true to Asumi's character, too, Mm -hmm. uh, for her to, you know, have this thing of like, I want to tell you the things that I didn't tell you because I've been teasing you this whole time. But then once they're out of the woods, she's so shocked that she goes into like, you know, the, the defensive mode. And then she's like, no, no, no. Uh, yes, I love you. So. <laughs> it's very sweet. 
And uh, this, I imagine that we're probably going to basically get the epilogue after this because this is chapter eight. So we're probably going to, you know, get that like flash forward that we've gotten from the others of, you know, seeing them actually in a relationship. So this is kind of the end of their actual like the story of how they got together. And in terms of all that we've gotten, so the four that we've gotten so far, this is definitely a contender, I think, for the best one. Yeah, Um, very very over the top and dramatic, but you know what? It worked really well and it was fun to see the two of them bounce off each other because they did have a really fun character dynamic all through this series. And so yeah. it was nice to see this route uh, that uh, it took. I think this has been the most entertaining one. And I think Uega and Asumi probably have the best chemistry. Aruka is still probably the canon ending in my mind, but this one was definitely where I was like, this showed the potential of these alternate endings kind of thing. Because if I really was a big, and I am a big Asumi fan, if I want to, I can accept this as my ending. And if I really, really wanted to and be like, yeah, he ends up happy with her and everything like that, you know? Um. I will be really curious to see if the next chapter includes any of the other girls, because now this is looking like the only part that will have not included any of them. And Nick, I am banking on next chapter, Sekijo and Ogata walking on that island hand in hand like we got married. And I'm like, yes, I need this pizza. (laughs) Maybe like, maybe like uh, Asumi will ask him like, by the way, what happened to those like girls you were tutoring? And then he just gets a dark look on his face. And he's like, they died in a horrible <laughs> car accident. <laughs> I, I try not that. to think about that day. <laughs> uh, well, Ogata was murdered by a ghost in her apartment. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Fumino uh, eventually was so uh, embarrassed to talk to anybody that she actually faded away from reality. <laughs> What about Aruka? Oh, she's doing great, actually. We yeah, still ha- we still hang out sometimes. <laughs> she was she got bit by some shit in Australia and died. I don't really know what, but I was told it's not that common, not uncommon. Oh man, you looking forward to the Kirisu arc, Chris? I, so now that we know you could do a story where you advance the plot forward a good while. Hopefully that's what they're going to do with the Kirisu chapter so we can really get away from the weird power dynamic relationship thing. Um, So I'm optimistic, uh, but I am expected to be the part I enjoy the least. And that says a lot because Ogata's part was straight dog doo-doo. Bold prediction. We're going to actually go back to that part where Kirisu's boobs set Yuiga back in time. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he'll stay there this time. And so they'll actually grow up together. That's, I guess, an ending they could do, too. <laughs> I suppose her boobs could send him back in time again. <laughs> Only in fucking manga. So, Ace, you, you read this chapter with, like, no context then? No context. Uh, okay, what did you think of it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty different from the last chapters I read, which is still just like quacky hijinks in high school. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's very cute. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a sweet chapter and it, it's kind of nice to come back after so long and just have like, oh, 
it's not just, you know, the kind of does he like me? Do I like him? It's the actual like, yeah, yeah, you know, here's a conclusion. It's it's nice to see them get together. You I should have seen the Ogata arc where that happened and it was still terrible. So <laughs> Ooh, I I'm gonna read that after this. So I bet <laughs> <laughs> I am upset that we still have uh black hole asses for girls though. That's hey, you know <laughs> what could you you can't win every battle, you know? Sometimes your ass is just a vacuum that sucks up your clothes. <laughs> just put a plug in it. Just <laughs> Uh, well, that will, that will solve the problem and create another one. So. I like. I wish I had the ability to at that point click the button to get the Dakota Johnson. What's a butt plug quote from Fifty Shades? That definitely seems like something that if we could, if we like edited the podcast, it would just like immediately like pull up Doctor Stone. <laughs> <laughs> right, Doctor Stone, Z equals one hundred sixty-eight, Corn City, population one million. I've had to remind myself what happened in this chapter multiple times, not because nothing happens in it, but because a lot actually happens in it very quickly. So, last time, Chrome met up with the group that was there to retrieve uh, Zeno as part of their operation. They successfully captured him, put Puray, and he got in contact with everyone with uh, Senku over the cell phone and everything. Um, Then we see uh, Max, uh, the other of. Luna's uh, admirers and he stomps off um oh he stomps over to Luna (laughs) that's what happens and is like oh what's going on with you and as he unties her because he thinks oh you know she's on our side she whispers to him by the way I'm Seku's girlfriend now so he makes the decision at that point. He's like, all right, you want to rescue your new man? What do you, who do you need? And Francois at that point wiggles their way over. And, uh, the, together they and Luna tell Max what they need in order to, you know, pay, hey, we got to go perform first aid. And also we need Kaseki, uh, in case we need to, uh, do repairs on the aircraft. So, uh, they get over to Max goes and grabs some supplies and he just comes back with Kaseki hanging from one hand. So presumably Max is kind of built because just carrying a fully grown muscular man under one on on by the strength of one arm. So <laughs> they basically utilize Kaseki's humor shtick for a practical purpose because because he's like, oh, don't bother untying me. Just tell me about what the amazing machines you know is crafted. And Francois is like, well, there's a device that cultivates the earth with blades powered by an engine called a tractor. And Kaseki's clothes and the ropes burst off. I like that it's not even that cool of an invention. Like, it's just a tractor and that's enough for it to be like, yes! <laughs> Shoot out of the ropes. So they jump off of the Perseus with their supplies 
And they're like, all right, here we go. Uh, actually, actually, Francois and, and Kaseki jump off and then Luna and Max excuse themselves like, oh, no, two of our prisoners fell in the river. We better go rescue <laughs> announcing that they're leaving. <laughs> they they head off. I do like that in the next shot, we see Kaseki's got his clothes on and there's a very obvious new on them to let you know that he's wearing a new change of clothes. Um. Their communication happening, traveling happening. Uh, the group's reunited, so now they've now uh, Zeno is part of uh, the United group, and Senku comes across them as well. Uh, as and he points out to them, "Hey, by the way, you don't actually need to hog tie him like that. Just you know, make sure his hands are tied together because you know until the, his people actually get here, he's not just gonna resist for no reason." He would never act illogically like that because Dr. Zeno is a world-class science pro. And Zeno looks at Senku in a way that concerns me because of the age difference between them. And also because he's betraying his real boyfriend, Stan. Yeah, that truly that's the biggest issue here. Uh, The two of them go off to talk together, I guess, to just kind of like catch up and see where they stand with each other. Uh, and Zeno's like, ah, so you did survive. Stanley would never fail to make a killing shot, so you must have used scientific measures to foil the bull and defy death. Truly, science is elegant. And uh, Senku's like, you know, it's been a long time since we, you know, I was sending emails to you when I was in third grade. Yes, remember that. Stop looking at him that way, Zeno. <laughs> he was like eight and when you were like 20-something, so. <laughs> so... Zeno analyzed like, I mean, what the heck are you even planning? You've got no base to return to. My people have defeated your friends. They've taken over the ship. You've lost. Uh, and Rusu says, that's true. And since we can't go back, we have no choice but to move forward. And Chrome has no idea what this means. So, uh, but at that moment, uh, Luna's group arrives. And of, and so they all reunite. Luna starts to get emotional because because Senku's all safe. But she quickly, you know, gets control of herself again. Uh, Francois sees how the state of things, and so they immediately set up a table so that they can dine together. And then there's a, a, a nice, a, a nice but very, very small little moment where uh, Carlos is really glad to see that Luna's okay. And then Max is like, "Hey, how's the hand, Carlos?" And then there's just kind of like silence between them while Luna doesn't look at them, and then they just kind of clap bro hands together, like, "Aw, they care about each other." So, uh. Luna has a brief fantasy of like of Senku turning into a shoujo uh, love interest to be a, oh, I long to see you. Did you did you flee to be at my side? Job well done. But then she kind of collects herself and is like, OK, I, I, I know what Senku's like now. He would never actually act that way. But Senku goes up to her and he's like, ah, oh, so you managed to get away with Kaseki and Francois. Job well done. So he does actually compliment her. And so Luna's kind of happy with that because she's like, oh, I was half right. Uh, Ukiyo's like, okay, we're ready to move on. And Taiju's like, why do you decide that? Who made you leader? He's confused. Um, That's mine. Yeah, so here's where things get weird. So they're like, when the main force returned from their mission, as in Zeno's main force, Stanley's force returned from their mission, we're done for. We can't beat them because they got the machine guns. So this is our chance, while security is light. They'll never expect us to return right after the Great Escape. 
And so they drive the science lab thing up onto the boat that they used to intercept the Perseus and they're borrowing it and they drive off with it. And then Kok is like, so are we going to attack them? Uh, and Hyoga is like, no, we would die then. Senku says the goal is diplomacy. The new, this is the new world's first and last leadership summit between Japan and the United States. So he asked Chrome, like, hey, out of all the Americas there, who do you think would be the most reasonable, the one we could actually talk to? And Chrome's like, the big doctor guy, because he actually analyzed the situation before, didn't rush off. He wanted to make sure that both Zeno and I were safe, were rescued properly. So they get in touch with them. They ask to talk with, uh, with him. And uh, so Senku's like, hey, uh, we want... We want to have like a because the guy's like, if you want a hostage exchange, the numbers are on our side. And Senku's like, that's true. So to make up the difference, how about some info that you'll be excited about? Do you want to know how people break out of the stone? The revival fluid recipe is alcohol plus nitric acid, which makes nitol. And Zeno is shocked when he hears this. The doctor is shocked when he hears this. And they're like, I, he's like, look, all you got to do is just use that corn that you've got all that stuff for. And the people from my ship know the details. They can tell you and they can help you out. And so, you know, make get a, a million people revived, build a massive corn city. And that way our goals are aligned. And the doctor says, I mean, so you're doing this to guarantee the hostages safety. I see. Well, Stanley would never agree to terms like that. He'll track all of you and Zeno down to the ends of the earth. And Senko's like, yeah, we're going to keep on running away from him. I'm busy and I have things to do. So... I have to get this corn plan going. So do that. basically. And um, so the doctor's like, I mean, you, so you're forging an alliance while we're waging war. Basically, you got you're crazy. Nikki, who is of still in the Perseus held captive, says, no problem. You're leaving Corn City in our capable hands. And so we see that there are some people being left behind here in Corn City, while Senku's group heads off. As we get this big narration saying, you know, here in the stone world, we'll bring together a million people. Corn City's been founded. Uh, and I guess that they're working together now, but Stanley yeah. clearly has not agreed with this. So is he still chasing them? What's, from, what's from, going on? From <laughs> what I understand, Senku, they had a hostage deal. And they were like, well, they're never going to make the deal because even though we have Zeno, they have like 60 of our friends. So we won't be able to make that deal. But if I give them the information on how to, to revive people, then they could go right back to building their big city like they are planning to. I guess if we have Zeno, they won't make it like a war city necessarily because <laughs> this guy seems to be a decent dude, all things considered. And we're going to have to leave behind everybody else to help build that city that isn't already here. And Stanley just will be the one kind of exception to that because they have to keep Zeno, it seems. So uh, it's a very confusing ending. But the implication seems to be that quite a few characters are not going to be part of the main cast for at least a little bit. 
Yeah, we've got all those battle characters that that were introduced and stuff that don't have a lot of character, like Matsukaze. And it's like, yeah, we're just leaving Kinro and Yuzuriha and Nikki and Magma behind because who cares about them? Nobody. And nobody and, cares about Yuzuriha or Kinro. Nobody. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bummed. But we're not going to have Kinro around or Yuzuriha. I don't really care about Magma or Nikki that much. And then losing like the six other fighter characters they had, like Moe's and and Balloon suit girl and all those and whatever samurai guy that like those are fine i'm i'm actually pretty happy about that even though if they're if they've been left behind or not so i believe they were the part they were defeated and we haven't seen them sh- i'm but again the fact that we're not seeing them could easily mean they're sneaking off to be like an expert like fight force later on i don't know but it's definitely something where i'm like this ending is kind of confusing i do like the implication that Stanley is going to continue to be an important character. But outside of that, it was a kind of very busy conclusion to this arc when they were like, corn city found it. I was like, is it? I don't. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I would like a character roster uh, in the next chapter of some kind. To know, like, where everyone is now. Because I'm confused. <laughs> Put a little map. <laughs> Help me figure it out. All right. Let's move on to Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 33, Mash, Burn, Dead, and the Knee Strike. Uh, I was enchanted, by the way. I did go through Mashal's uh, other chapters and find out they have changed all the chapter titles to Mash, Burn, huh. Dead. So... Now that is a consistent change. Uh, so, Mash is, is standing before Lord Abel, who says, I should say I'm impressed. Mash is like, thanks. And he says, Aww. and that's all I have to say about that. And then Mash punches himself. And he just starts immediately, like, you know, gum gum gaddling, punching himself over. <laughs> and like, ah! And you can see that he is being puppeteered by Lord Abel himself. And Abel just, like, commands him to start choking himself. And then... Mash just stops for a moment, and he's like, what was that? Abel's like, hmm, not really a fair fight, is it? It lacks a certain class. So then he sends a puppeted version of Finn out holding a battle axe, and he's like, yes, I captured him, thinking it would be amusing, but your spiky-haired friend... Yes, that happened off screen. Shut (laughs) up. (laughs) Well, that's why I was confused. I was like, is that Rain? And I was like, no, he says Finn, but yeah, he explains he captured him off screen, and Barrett was too injured to basically do anything with. So he, he's going to use him now. And we see Finn swing, like run up and swing. And he's like, ah, you can't possibly hurt him. Uh, yeah, you ha- you can't you can't defend yourself because if you do, I will break your friend. And Mash just has like the like whatever face. He's like, OK, so that's the way you play. <laughs> and Abel's like, OK, fine. Let him break you then. And he just starts getting thwacked over and over again as Abel's doing his whole, like, you can't make these choices, blah, 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 you aren't truly noble. And then the axe that he's swinging just breaks, and Mash is like, you think you're pretty deep, huh? He's got this whole speech that's like, clearly he's he's practiced delivering this in the mirror or something yes. like that. Can you not choose? Yeah, can you make the sacrifice? Of course you can. We all want to think it's noble. I have reject that fallacy. 
Sounds like you think you're pretty deep, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I like love in the background, be like, oh no 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 no, now it's really on. <laughs> so Mash pull- takes out his gold coin. And he says, "All right, you want the gold coin? If you want it that much, and then he flicks it <laughs> so fast." It cuts all of the strings on Finn and then circles back to Mash. He's like, huh, I guess the coin just really likes me. I like when he flicks it, even his hair like goes back from the force. <laughs> it swings all the way around. So then, you know, Abel's the, you know, puts his puppeteer strings all over Mash again. He's like, fine, but this exchange bores me. It's pointless to struggle. You are a mere puppet after all, just like the others. And Mash starts walking towards him and says, no, you need to apologize for what you did to my friend. And as he takes steps forward, you start seeing Abel's fingers get bent backwards and cracking. And he does. It's so awesome that he just uses sheer power to basically break Abel's fingers and then walks all the way up and delivers this crazy two page spread knee strike. It's so awesome. I I love the difference between like the kind of shitty drawings of Mash, Mm -hmm. where he's just like, okay, whatever, you know? And then you have these amazing two-page spreads. It's just kind of got that, you know, uh um one punch man vibe, you know? Oh yeah. I I love this series so much. It's It's so so dumb. So it Every chapter, I at least giggle. Oh, yeah. You get a good laugh pretty much every chapter at some point. I I don't know why I really love the idea of him being like, huh, how weird. I guess the coin really likes me. (laughs) Oh, man. uh, For me, this chapter is made by just that first panel of uh, Abel's finger getting bent all the way back. Where you realize, oh, he's so screwed now. (laughs) It's such a cool way of doing it, too. Like, the idea he's being puppeteered, and he's just like, I'm just going to overpower you and break your fingers. That that sort of injury is like, like, I can watch people getting impaled and stuff. I mean, in manga. You know, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, like, the finger bending all the way back is just... Oh, it squicks me so bad. Oh, yeah. But it's so cool. It's, it's yeah you just you feel his his force and his strength it's very cool good shit all right okay y'all <laughs> it's the moment we've all been waiting for it's the ayakashi triangle discussion <laughs> weekly manga recap featuring not hatsune miku uh not hatsune miku hatsune may that's her, that, that's why i got confused May Hatsume or Lala from To Love Ru or any number of hot inventor girls from Shonen Jump, basically. This, a new version of her has arrived for a Ayakashi Triangle. Because Exorcist Ninjas need gadgets, you know. the way. Yeah, yeah. We, we begin Chapter 15, Exorcist Ninja Tool Shop, with uh, Matsuri has tracked down another Ikon. Uh, the same as the kind that was uh, tormenting Lou a few chapters before. He's going to go deal with that. Uh, Shirogane is tagging along just because. And so Matsuri is like, all right, time for my magical girl transformation. Suit up. Going to don the ninja gear. And the gear is broken. And I don't know why. He was wearing a full set of clothes before. uh, But now that the ninja gear is broken, um, the only thing that's on underneath it is underwear. 
Of course. That's how ninja tools work, Nick. They, yes, they uh, if they explode, you just have nothing on underneath. Fortunately, Matsuri is still able to deal with the econ off 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 panel, uh, and uh, the gear is broken. So he's he's catching up with uh, Nino Kuru, and there is a very dumb observation that Nino Kuru makes, which is you should be careful, or you end, might end up showing off your fundoshi underwear too. And then Matsuri says. Not that it's any of your business, but I'm a boxer briefs guy. It's like, but you're wearing the fundoshi. Who who is talking? I have no idea. I the, like this exchange. I was like, what? Word guy is there. Maybe one of them said that. I don't know. Yeah, I, in my mind, I was like, is this the conversation that's happening at school, or are they having it happen right here? Okay, judging by okay, actually, judging by word bubble shapes. And such. I think that the one who says you might end up showing off your fundoshi underwear is Matsuri. And then so Nino Kuru, I think, is the one after that who says, not that it's any of your business, but I'm a boxer briefs guy. Uh, so he's just being a weirdo, I think. I think the one who says you might show off whatever is uh, the little bird thing that follows him. That's what I just said. Yes. That's not Matsuri, is it? Did I say Matsuri? Yeah. That's what got me The confused. bird guy says that, and then I think Nino Kuru is the one who says, I'm a boxer briefs guy. Gotcha. Okay. This was very important that we, we established We had to establish, this, yeah, which character wears boxer briefs. Uh, Nino Kuru is like, I have to go home and train because Matsuri tries to invite him to go to the, the Ninja Tool shop. He's like, hey, let's go do this. Um, and uh, Matsuri, however, admits like, hey, you know, I'm frustrated too because Nino Kuru is like, I can't protect Suzu Kanade. And Matsuri's like, I'm frustrated too. I mean, if Garaku had been, you know, serious during that fight, I would have been killed. So that's frustrating. But hey, we'll get stronger together. And he means it as like a, hey, bro, bro, exorcist ninjas. But Ninokura is like, you have boobs now, so this makes me doki doki. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. So, um, Matsuri heads off. Uh, before we see catch up with him, however, we actually see Suzu being proactive. But Nick, don't you mean boo boo? Spookween. Now I'm gonna be in full darkness. All right, you, you deal with that. Don't be scared. That lasts a long time. Suzu tries to be proactive. She's trying to train her ex this Ayakashi medium. That's it. Or Ayakashi god abilities, whatever. By uh, trying to channel Haku into a paper crane, but she burns it up immediately, so it doesn't work. Uh, Garaku's like, you put too much Haku in there. So, you know, try imagining it moving like a crane while you're folding the paper. While he's giving instructions like this, he's snuggling Shirogane, who doesn't like it because... He's a cat. I mean, let's be real. That's why he doesn't like it. And it's no other reason. Um, Garak is trying to be encouraging and stuff like that. And he says, hey, you know, if you can actually fully control your your medium power, it might not be impossible for you un to undo Shirogane's jutsu. And Shirogane is like, what? I, I thought you were helping me. What? Whose side are you on? But Garaku says, well, I'm on no one's side. I just want to draw the complete Ayakashi medium. It's the nature of a brush Ayakashi, perhaps. So Shirogane is like, fuck this guy. Matsuri catches up with Suzu, and they head off to the Ninja Tool shop together. And uh, they stop outside of a toy shop, 
And uh, Matsuri's like, ooh, switch on Miyoji stuff. And Suzu's like, I thought you were, okay, you just wanted to buy toys, what? And Matsuri says, no, you see, it's like Burn the Witch, how everything has stuff that flips over. So if you don't have the sight, it just looks like a toy store. But inside, mixed amongst the toys, are real Exorcist Ninja tools with a Jutsu cast on them so normal people can't recognize them. Fair enough. So that all happens. Uh, another Ikon uh, appears and starts wrapping around Shirogane, who immediately is like, It's trying to touch my butt! It's trying to violate me! So he's he's got no cool. Uh Matsuri observed rightfully, like, why do all these Ikon keep appearing? But at that moment, a roller skate waifu appears. And she has, um, she touches her shoes to summon roller skates, skates towards it, and she's got, like, the special lenses in her goggles. And then she's got a, I'm not even sure what to call this. It's, it's like a syringe, basically, that she uses to suck up the Ikon. And uh, she's like, yeah, so there's a jutsu inside here that seals the Akashi so it can't escape. Yeah, that's my new new latest sealing tube tool thing. And Masuri introduces her as an exorcist ninja who creates things as part of the Korogi clan. They've been making exorcist ninja tools for generations. Her name is Reo Korogi. She gets this big full page introduction. Reo is familiar with Matsuri. Uh, and there's this, this all this stuff about that they get catching up and so on ba 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 shirogane the ikon gets loose uh breaks out of the ceiling tube thing matsuri pushes reo out of the way and says research time's over i'll scatter to the winds and she, he tosses shuriken that blast away the ikon and then immediately reo's like ooh, sensational and like glomps onto him and uh press him to the ground and is on top of him and is like, oh, I should ne- expect no less of the person who was my first. And immediately, Susan just goes, first what? And that's where the chapter ends. So, hey, you know, there's, I guess, an archetype in anime and manga of uh, cute inventor girls. And you got to capitalize on it. Cute. Pink you know, she wears girls. a really cute outfit. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe some people will like that. You know, it's a uh, easy undie access there. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I think one of the reasons why she wears it. That's actually an invention of hers. The <laughs> the not pants. Is yeah, what she's they got it. this like. I'm not sure if it's a coat or just a long satch. I guess it's a coat because you can see the sleeves. And yeah, she wears her under waist, which allows her to, you know, carry more tools and stuff. But then, yeah, during the cheesecake part, it flips up and you see that she's just got really, really short spats under it, unless that's just her underwear. So, I don't know. You'd think that she would be wearing pants with that whole getup. You, you, you would hope. Now, this is the first chapter of the series I've read, but like... You're in I for a treat. <laughs> Yeah, all I had to see on the first page was by Kentaro Yubuki, and I was like, oh, I know exactly what type of series this is. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Requires no further, you know. Yeah, I understand. Honestly. Okay. Again, uh, I like that his daughter enjoys the series and is giving him, like, tips on things. Like, I really, that's, like, the most wholesome thing in Jump right now, is that she's like, are you going to reveal this in this chapter? Like, maybe. <laughs> 
Um, the only other observation I really have to ha- have about this entire chapter is Suzu, of course, has the immediate jealous reaction when someone else is getting on her man while her man don't have her the thing that she wants. Um, yeah. But the exact wording of her reaction, I do enjoy because she's because, you know, Rayo says the very suggestive, uh, the person who was my first is like, first. What? What are you actually saying? <laughs> uh, OK. Let's uh let's wrap this up. Let's talk about Black Clover. Black Clover. Page 266 Dark Garden Invitation and we have Nature Boy Rick Flair on the cover and Brawla messaged us earlier to say that uh this is a reference to the Town Musicians of Bremen, which is the band of animals uh reference that we also saw in Burn the Witch not that long yes. ago. Um so this does, chapter does Ace, does Ace know why we call him Nature Boy Ric Flair? No. I can't pronounce his name. Oh no, I can. Please, I'm not please, giving it to the Germans. Thing. Well, no, because our German listeners were like, "It's not Nate or Notch. It's like like you got to make the ch soft but hard at the same time." I'm like, "Fuck you!" He's Nature Boy Ric Flair now, and he will be that forever. So yeah, instead of being Nacht or Nacht, he's now Nature Boy Rick Flair, Nature which Boy is Rick way Flair. easier for Nick, for Chris to say, isn't it? It's so easy. You know, it rolls off the tongue. Instead of learning how to pronounce the one. I say I say Nature Boy Rick Flair 70 to 80 times a day without the podcast. Okay. So So guys know, oh god, what's what's his name? Uh Finroll's brother. I can never remember his name because I always call him Falafel because that's what you guys called him at one point. So he comes in and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Falafel. You want to know what's best? I don't even know what his name is. I'm like, like, is it Falafel? It's not. I. Well, but I can't like it just stuck in my head. So like even when like I go to the office and I'm talking to Alexi about Black Clover, I'll be like, and then Falafel comes in and he looks at me like, what? <laughs> oh no, uh, you know, the brother. I like to think that there was which one like draft. Of the many characters in the series. You like, you sent in a draft and you were just like, I'll never let you get away with this Falafel. <laughs> I mean, like his name isn't even anything close to that. Too, so. Okay. Okay. So this is a little off topic, but we don't do that on this years show. Ago, years ago, for uh, World Trigger, uh, I would, I would write like my thoughts when, uh, when we had the first editor hope. I'd write my thoughts and I'd do these like screen caps and I'd rewrite what the characters are saying to have it go with our terrible like head cannons and stuff. And once I gotcha. forgot to okay. change it back, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I, it got caught, but like there's a note that was like from Hope Flip that was like, ha ha, yeah, no, actually follow the script or something like that. <laughs> Someone was like, Yuega's really into Osamu this chapter. This isn't even like, ho oh, yay teasing. This is just straight up there going for it. I don't, 
Man, I'm going to see if I can find that panel. I, I screen capped that. <laughs> I hope we can see that. Uh, so to the chapter itself, uh, we open with the Wizard King talking to Gaja, who's just like, hey, uh, we'll be joining your fight against the Spade Kingdom. And Gaja's basically like, I will save you. We get like this dual parallel of Gaja being like, I will save you, Laura Pachika. And uh, Charlotte being like, I, I, I won't let you die like this. Hold on, Yami. So they're coming as well. <sighs> then the rest of the chapter is nature boy rick flair just fucking dressing down the black bulls and being a he's dick he's such so... an asshole he's so mean yeah. <laughs> i love how he's just always like oh you're like this i hate that yeah he's like okay I'm only here. I hate the Black Bulls. That's why I usually don't show up. It lets me operate as a magic knight, but it's just for convenience. You guys suck. I hate that you guys are a bunch of good-for-nothings that damage everything. All of you have screwed up. You're a brazen witch who does nothing but drink. You're a spatial mage who is so careless with women that it interferes with her mission. You're uh, a ruined noble and a former convict. And the other two of you aren't even here. Where the fuck is Zora? Do any of you know? (laughs) And then Gray pipes up and is just like, yeah, but they're all good people, so don't judge them by how he looks. And he's like, if you don't want to be judged by the way you look, then don't look like that. And you're like, (laughs) Jesus, man. (laughs) He's such an asshole. You think that this is, like, is the reason that he's never around actually that he hates the Black Bulls? Or is it that he has no people skills and no one wants to be his fucking friend? Like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? He's so mean. He just fucking yells at them for like eight straight pages. And then they're like, so you got to get stronger. And that's, he just leaves. <laughs> he teleports away. You all suck. I don't like any of you. Be better. Bye. And then he just sinks down through the floor. <laughs> He's such a jerk, but I can't help but like him. He's just a matter of fact, like, yeah, you guys suck anyway. If you don't want to die, see ya. Oh, Nick, remind me. So I think that we can I think we can draw a conclusion from from this, because this is twice in a row now that it's worked really well. If you want a new member of the Black Bulls to be really popular among the Weekly Manga Recap hosts, have them be a gigantic asshole in another introduction. It worked with Zora. It worked with this guy. <laughs> uh, I will say, Nick, pencil this in. We have to do a WMR lives on this chapter, so you can do this uh, as a, a Ric Flair heel promo, basically, because <laughs> it's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's it's a little bit too passive aggressive for Rick. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He doesn't elbow drop his jacket once. How will people go? I mean, more in terms of like, instead of saying like, "You're like this," I don't like that. He would be like, "You're an asshole. You're a worthless son of a gun." Uh, so, not uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair shows up at a different place with Asta, and he's like, "Yes, this is what my shadows do. They let me transport myself everywhere, like other places." And Asta tries to kind of have a conversation like, oh, so kind of like spatial magic. He's like, shut up. We're no. here. <laughs> like he, just, yeah, anyway. he just drops that train of thought. And he's like, we're at this old house. Uh, <laughs> it belonged to a certain noble. And he's like, what noble? And he's like, shut up. Stop asking good questions. <laughs> he takes it to a room and he's like, here you go. All right. This is what's going to happen. And Asta's like, there's nothing in the room. He's like, oh, but is it there? And he uses his dark magic and basically like 
traps Asta in a new dimension. It's called the Dark Garden Invitation, which I think is where the chapter title comes from. Uh, and Nature Boy Ric Flair just says, like, all right, for the next two days, I'm going to teach you everything I know about devil magic. And as a result, you're going to grow exponentially. And Asta gets excited. He's like, oh, we're going to be training. And he's like, no, not really. Not the way you're thinking. You see, you're only using like trickles of power from your devil. We're talking about performing a devil binding ritual that will allow you to make a contract with the devil and formally make its power your own. He says, normally, it requires a connection to the devil, like this this necklace I have that's linked. But you're a different story, because you gave your whole fucking arm to him. So you're kind of connected on a stronger your level. Your arm is the totem. We'll use that. Yeah. Here, give me that. <laughs> so Asta steps in the magic circle, and his arm vanishes away, like dark energy kind of wisps away, and it's gone. And a devil stands before him. And the devil just says, yeah, well, look at that. Who'd have thought you'd release me voluntarily? And Nature Boy Flair says, you fight the devil and win. And that's it. There we go. Big stuff's going down. Uh, this is a detail that I didn't actually notice until we were going through the chapter just now. But uh, right after asked is like, whose house is this? And Nox says, uh, a certain noble's a former noble. We get a shot of a family portrait. And one of the children in the portrait has this big black blotch streaked across their face. So we can't see who they are. Uh, so presumably there is some significance to this. Yeah, it's Nature Boy I, Ric Flair's house. Come on. I mean, let's 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 I, be I real. I think that there's going to be some stuff with with his family. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, Alexi came up with a good idea about connections to other characters that he has. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Maybe I'll tweet when. Yes. Anyway. Okay. I'll look forward, forward to it. I, th- I think. I think. I think uh, they're setting up some cool stuff here. But I was neighbors with Gauch, and that guy's just always been a creep around his <laughs> sister. I hate that guy. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if this is really a twist. <laughs> uh, all right, that's going to do it. There's no One Piece yeah. this week. I think One Piece comes back two weeks from now. Yeah, unfortunately, Oda fell ill and needed a bit of time to recover, and there was already a planned break, too, that I think was going to happen, so I think it's going to be another two weeks. But yeah, uh, good ch- a lot of the good chapters this week. Yes. But what was the best chapter? Favorite chapter of the week in MVP. Ace, would you like to start? It's World Trigger. It's World Trigger? World Trigger. That does make sense. I... Yeah. <laughs> you make a good point <laughs> it is a very good point um what about mvp uh hmm, hmm. come back to me on that one okay okay uh i could do both of mine uh i'm gonna give my chapter of the week i think is going to go to we never learn it was a really really good chapter and really strong uh, my character of the week has a small kind of asterisk next to it. So my character of the week is Rajin Marbu uh, from World <laughs> Trigger. But he has to be, or she has to be put in as Rajin Marbu. Because if Ninja does not do it with Rajin Marbu, then it's MASH. 
I need it to be Rajin Marbu. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't work. All right. So there were a lot of good chapters this week. Okay. Uh, Spy Family was back in, on form after kind of dropping off during this whole tennis arc thing. Uh, their world trigger was great. We never learned was great at a great conclusion to that story. Um, I mean, any which way I turn, I, I don't think I, you can really go wrong. Chainsaw man was great just because it was just a, a, a big action chapter that ended on the amazing line from Mike. was like, well, I think we're going to lose. So, uh, but <laughs> no other chapter introduced the concept of a capybara being a powerful weapon <laughs> that could potentially turn into a giant monster and go on a rampage. So I'm going to go with World Trigger, yes. Also, shout out to 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 uh, Mashal was a good chapter too. Yes. My MVP Roger Marble. I'm going to No. I'm going to go with uh Nost, uh because he's such a dick. Like he's, he's, he's such an unnecessarily mean person. Like he doesn't need to do this and it doesn't benefit him at all. But he's like, I don't like you guys. That's all right. Um, so yeah. Um I'm kind of torn. I'm torn between three characters. Okay. Um, which would be Noct, Raijinmaru, and Mash. Since you guys covered two of them. I'll choose Matt. All right. There we go. Full representation across the board. And hey, you know what? You align with what the audience said. MASH was the character of the week for the audience, and their series of the week was We Never Learn. I'm a little disappointed in you, audience. You know, it was... There was a strong... After World Trigger came back, there was a strong, like eight month streak where no matter what chapters happened world trigger one chapter of the week so so the spirit is still there the spirit is still there thank you listeners you have uh partially redeemed yourself yeah i think that it it doesn't uh it didn't help uh world trigger this week that uh asumi is a lot of people's favorite love interest for yuiga so seeing the culmination of that was pretty powerful so all right understandable (laughs) we are going to call it there everyone thank you for joining us for weekly manga recap and thank you ace for joining us it has been so wonderful having you you back on the show getting your opinion on some series that we never got to discuss with you before including ones you hadn't read before we (laughs) this was also the first time i think we've had you on since world trigger returned as well which uh we've we've taken too long to do that so that's on us (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, guys. I always have a good time. Wonderful. All right. We want to thank everyone everyone for joining us for the recording of the show. We do it here on twitch.tv slash T. Wednesday is normally somewhere around 7.30 to 8 Eastern time. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WMR Podcast. This is the podcast account. At T is him. At Nick F time is me. And then there is at Kaito underscore Ace. K-A-I-T-O-U underscore A-C-E. Where you can find many things. <laughs> mostly core related, but Mo- many things. Mostly, yeah. Mostly Final Fantasy 15, not gonna lie. With a smattering of world trigger in there. 
You can, you can check out all of our past episodes on weeklymongarecap.podbean.com as well as anywhere else that, that gets the podcast feed. Send us feedback, ask us questions for the Q&A episode, suggest future manga for us to read, and keep track of all the stuff that we've done in the past, and audience MVPs, and characters of the week, and all that stuff via the Google Doc, which is maintained by Ninja X3i. Thank you for helping us out with that. Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. You allow us a great bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We will have something cooking very soon for you. To Steve Manotayoka, artist, you can check him out anywhere boobs are allowed to be drawn. To <laughs> Infamous Planet for whipping up the new framework for the uh, visual stream of the podcast. And to Milo Jack Stillitz and Wizardell Cheddar for creating the opening theme for Week of Recap. Indeed. That is going to so, do it. It is Halloween month. Is it? Which means that we have Halloween recommendations they're going to begin working through. Uh, including... Are we, we going to catch back up on Tokyo Red Hood? No. So, <laughs> <laughs> never, never. <laughs> uh, but we are going to be looking into a weird series. It has been recommended to us as a weird series. Um, and hopefully... It doesn't have any of the things that Tokyo Red Hood had in it that made me go, no. Uh, <laughs> it's a series called School Mermaid or School Ningyo, in which mermaids, quote unquote, are featured, but they're not really mermaids. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's I've been told that it's horror. And it definitely seemed like it had horror elements when I kind of flipped around through a few chapters. So interesting. All right. Well, that's that's what we're going to do. But who knows who might show up next week? You know, could even be a spookier version of the Spookmaster General. Nick, remember last year when Thor showed up? Yes. Who knows? <laughs> who knows who could show up next week? It's not going to be Thor. I, so I, I, I sold it. I sold it. <laughs> It's not gonna be Thor. I lost forty pounds. I can't even be fat Thor anymore. Congratulations. No, I don't want praise. We're ending the podcast. You can't compliment me. Goodbye. <laughs>